There is a passageway to the most evil place you can imagine. Wow. A gate behind which the demons will to take back what was once theirs. I mean, you guys were serious about that demon stuff? Pray, it's not too late. Again. Starts Friday at a selected theater near you. Get together, have a few laughs. Bastards of the universe! Welcome back to the Cinemasters of the Universe podcast, everybody. I am one of your hosts, the Rental King, Ron Avis, and I'm full of spirits. But not those spirits, not the exorcist kind, the kind, you know, that I've drank. But that's okay, because I have my co-host, the man of the north. That'd be me, Adam Peterson. And I know some things. He knows some things, and thank God, because when I'm full of spirits, I rely on this guy to keep me The in power line. of Christ compels you. <laughs> but that's not all, everybody. We have a special guest. We have a third person in if the If you chair. act now. Yes, and that would be, who would also have on the line with us? Hey, everybody. This is Matt Mercer. Great to be back on with the Cinemasters once again, and as you can tell by the sound of my voice, I am on the phone. Yes, you're on the phone, but that's okay. We're all on the phone. We're all on the phone because it's (laughs) it's 2020, and it that 2020 means pandemic. (laughs) We can't be in person. Great to be back. Thanks a lot for having me back on, guys. Oh, it's it's absolutely fantastic to have you back. I know you're a big movie buff, and uh, you were. People may remember you from our Kevin Smith tribute podcast that we had some months ago, which went excellent. And I've been really looking for a project to get you involved in. And what the hell, Halloween time! It's the, it's the Cinemasters of the Universe Halloween spooktacular. It's a spooktacular, people. <laughs> And for this third episode, uh, the third of the Halloween Spooktacular, we're going to be talking about the 1987. I won't call it a classic, but classic. It kind it's of a is, classic. It kind of is. 1987's. We, we're going to debate that. Yeah. The Gate. The Canadian classic. <laughs> the Canadian horror classic. <laughs> I mean, this is like the Canadian Exorcist. Let's let's be real. But no, The Gate is our movie, um, as you probably know from you've clicked on the, you know, you decided to download us and put us in your ears. And thank you very much. But yeah, from 1987, it was released actually on May 15th, 1987 in Canada and the U.S., I guess. Uh, runtime, 85 minutes. The rating is PG-13. So, you know, you're not going to get uh, the, quite the kills that you would see in a movie like Halloween or Friday the 13th. But none, nonetheless, very little nudity. It's a very little nudity. Not hardly any. Uh, is there any nudity to begin at all? To be honest, well, you know, uh, I, yeah, the uh, dog was naked the entire time. <laughs> like not an ounce yeah. of clothing. The dog was not wearing pants. Yeah, no. <laughs> Directed by Tibor Takakis. I Michael Dukakis? <laughs> no, not Michael Dukakis. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> I wondered what he was doing after 
after that uh, that eighty eight election. Been right before his presidential run. Yeah, he did this movie and then ran for president. Then, he ran, then he ran for president and then he did The Gate Two and Sabrina the Teenage Witch in nineteen ninety six. That's a made for TV movie, y'all. It's a powerhouse right there. Powerhouse. Oh hell yeah, that's the trifecta right there. Uh, written by Michael Nankin, who also worked on a lot of TV shows that you may have heard of, like Life Goes On, Picket Fences, The Exorcist, Van Helsing. This is a guy that knew Corky personally. <laughs> He's intimately related. <laughs> Just process that. Remember that episode when Corky was possessed? I remember every episode. <laughs> I know you're a huge fan of Life Goes On. All I do, all I die, Life huge. Goes On. It came on right after America's Funniest Home Videos. Did it really? Yes. Rotten Tomatoes gave this movie a 54%, and Metacritic is pretty much right on par with that at 55%. You know, for what it is, I think this is a pretty darn good 80s horror movie. You know, it, it really it, it doesn't get mentioned a whole lot. It's not brought up in the same vein as a, uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street or or Halloween, or Friday the 13th, or even Poltergeist, but it tries to be like a PG-13 Poltergeist. I've heard a lot of people say this movie is at least as good as Poltergeist 3. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm glad well. you followed that up with 3. Yeah. So I, well, yeah. Back up now. And that's got Tom Skerritt in it. That movie is only PG, so really this movie could kind of be considered like a bit edgier than Poltergeist? Mm. I mean, I don't see it. Well, there's no Zelda Rubenstein in this movie. Thank you very much. Right. Right. There's no uh actual corpses in this movie. <laughs> Joe Beth Williams. <laughs> Craig T. Nelson. Oh, I love Craig T. I love Coach. Friggin' love Coach. Box office on this movie was about fourteen million dollars domestic, because we don't fool with worldwide. <laughs> no one else in the world watched it. No, hell just no. Canadians and Americans. And it had a two million dollar budget. Uh, and but I will say this movie is a Canadian film. It it initially it was made in Canada. I think it was in Toronto, the suburbs of Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, it it feels very Canadian. If you look closely, you can see a Mountie in literally every scene. <laughs> right, right. There there are just maple leaves everywhere. Maple oh, leaves everywhere. That, that's pretty. Much- the sim- symbolism is amazing. Hey, beware of the gate, eh? <laughs> Beauty, eh? Oh, the devil's out there in the backyard, eh? And finally, this this film was <laughs> distributed by Alliance Entertainment. And uh, just just a bit of it trivia for you guys. This is the, size, the second highest grossing movie behind Gone with the Wind. <laughs> <gasps> that blows me away. <laughs> so it goes Gone with the Wind, The Gate, some other movies... The Gate 2 is in top five. <laughs> I, I really want a, a three and four. Like, do we know what three and four are? I don't know if they made it, but it would probably be in the top two? five as well. The Gate 2 might be number three. They're just like, no, we're skipping three and four. We don't even have a third and fourth. Why we're going, didn't they have a Gone, gone with the, the Wind 2? That's what I'm saying. Right? They could have, but they didn't. This is... It, what, what I love about this movie is that the director can go to his grave knowing that he came in second to Con with the Wind. That is amazing. Yeah. And that, that movie was pretty big hit, we can say. People <laughs> seem to like it. It was a little popular. It was quite popular. People seem to like it. Let's talk about the cast, guys. Um, it stars a Stephen Dorff, uh, who plays Glenn. And Stephen Dorff, he's, he's been in a lot of things. You probably recognize the name. Cecil B. Demented. 
if you watch the movie Blade from 19, 1998, he played Deacon Frost. Uh, but he's or been fear. in other com. stuff. What's that? Fear.com. Beer.com? Fear.com. Oh, he was in that? He was in Fear.com, Fear.com. Yes. Okay. Well, okay. I love that movie. I never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. <laughs> we should do an episode on Fear.com. It was super scary. You but should probably he, watch it. He was a uh, he. He actually has a credit for uh, True Detective season three, which you know I I love True Detective season one. It's one of my all time favorite TV shows. Season two, dog shit, just dog shit. And but I've heard True Detective season three is actually pretty good. Well, because they got Mahershala Ali for three. Mahershala didn't they? Ali, yeah, who was yeah, in the so, Green Book, which is an I, I and still say coincidentally, gonna play the new Blade. Oh, brought it around full circle. He's going to be the new Blade. That's directed by Ryan Coogler. It's coming out. That's why he's not doing Creed 3, you guys. I knew there had to be a reason. Ah, you don't just walk away from Creed for nothing. No. You come back with arms wide open. Also co-st- <laughs> oh, also yes. co-starring Christy, Krista Denton, Brinkley. who played Alex, oh. or, or Alexandra, or Al. Al. Uh, she's referred Al. to in the movie. Oh, they call her Al. Yes. They call her <laughs> Her most famous role, uh, well, uh, you know, she she was in Growing Pains. This, this is her most famous role, honestly. But she also had some appearances in the ABC sitcom Growing Pains and uh, oh, oh, the new Leave it to Beaver, which everybody saw. Uh, she was also in a uh, an Ottawa uh, local theater production of The Babysitter's Club. So, I mean, that's, I don't think they made it to IMDb, but a lot of people are talking about that one. No, it probably didn't make I it to knew IMDb. Theater and something else. Yeah. It's, she's yeah, huge in Ottawa. Sure. Huge. And, uh, so, but she has no acting credit since 1990 on IMDb.com. So, uh, th- this was like her peak performance. And she was pretty decent. Did she die? Do we know if she died? I hope not. I hope, <laughs> oh, I hope she didn't Jonathan I hope she Brandison. didn't Jonathan Brandison. No. <laughs> she better not have Jonathan Hashtag Brandison. Not, not me too. Hashtag not me too. Not me we too. are anti-suicide on this podcast. 100%. The third person 100%. we're going to... 100%. 100%. Zero tolerance. I'm just going to go ahead and, zero and create tolerance. a mathematically impossible 150%. Yeah, we have a zero tolerance <laughs> policy for suicide. <laughs> we do. We do. You know, it could just be that she just did the gate and she just kind of peaked. She said, you know, this is just the best movie of all time. Yeah, that's Canadian that's how movie. it works. That's how it works. I mean, when you right. you go out on a high, yeah, it was either this or gone with the wind. Yeah, right. th- this was like her. You know, this this was her Citizen Kane, and she just walked off. She just dropped the microphone and she said, "The gate, bitches. the the mo- the the most successful, the second most successful Alliance <laughs> Entertainment <laughs> joint of all behind Gone with the Wind." <laughs> I mean, how can you do any better than that? You're not going to be guys. Gone I'm never going to beat Gone with the Wind. This is as high as it goes. Yeah, yeah. Gone with the Wind is like early '90s Chicago Bulls. You're not going to beat them. You're not. No. Nope. But you can be. You can be the Utah Jazz. You can be the Portland Trailblazers. You can be the Phoenix Suns. That's what the. That's what this movie is. It's the Phoenix. Suns. You could be the New Jersey Nets. <laughs> NBA talk. Catch it. Yeah. I like to believe that you know James Cameron could walk away. Yes. You know from Avatar, just saying yes. that was Avatar. It's no end game, no. but it's Avatar, and I'm happy with that. And yeah. you know who's excited for the, the all of the Avatar sequels? My co-host to the north. He loves. Oh, I'm totally Avatar. stoked. You know, one of these days, <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it through the first one. Uh huh. I'm going to make it through the first one, and then I'll be even more excited for the rest of them. I'll watch that, then You're I'll watch The Lord a, of the Rings. You know what it is, Adam? You're a freaking hipster. And then I won't hang myself. You're a movie myself. hipster. You don't love Avatar. You don't love Lord of the Rings. What the hell? You love Peanut Butter Falcon. 
Oh, I love the peanut. I love the peanut butter solution more than I love <laughs> Avatar or Lord of the Rings. I've never seen the peanut butter solution, but it does exist. You probably should. It absolutely. It's exists. amazing. So it will change. I, your I life. have no Mac and Me or Lord of the Rings. Mac and Me all day Lord long. The, come on, man! Lord of oh the Rings. Lord of the Rings over. I Mac would and watch. Me. Okay, I would McDonald's, watch Mac and Me a hundred times in a row. Dance number aside, what the hell does Mac and Me have other than? The hilarious Paul Rudd clips that he goes around on, on like Conan O'Brien and various other <laughs> late night shows. Have you seen how lifelike those aliens are? I mean, it's eerie. <laughs> they look. Horrible. I've never seen an. They got a I've never seen an alien personally, Whoa, but look on their face. <laughs> you got to watch the. Just, it's not Mystery Science Theater. It's the. Uh, who, who, what's the offshoot of that? Um, Rift tracks. Rift tracks. The Rift tracks version. Oh yeah. of Mac and me is so hilarious. <laughs> Pretty nice. Third, the third billing on this movie, the third most important character, really, would be Terry. <laughs> First important. Uh, th- this is definitely huh. his most famous role, but he also was in The Gate, too. He was the, the lone carryover of The Gate, too, because Glenn and Alexandra, they, they couldn't be a part of that. They passed. He comes back Biggest mistake in, in The lives. Gate, too? He comes back in The Gate, too. Yes. I, didn't, I have to watch The Gate, too, now. I remember seeing The Gate 2 in theaters, as a matter of you, fact. You actually don't need to uh, <laughs> rewatch The Gate 2. Because whatever, hand, whatever you know of it. Is there an eyeball in the palm scene in The Gate 2 by any no. chance? No. Eh. Nope. There's not. There's An a, eyeball in the butt cheek? The, it's, you're just better off not. You're just better off we'll not. Just put it, we'll just put it. And you you're watched better every off Nightmare on Elm Street movie for Nightmare I on did. Elm Street 3 podcast. I did. I watched them all. Which is better, The Gate 2 or the worst Nightmare on Elm Street movie? Oh, the worst. What a, you could pick whichever. I mean, the even. I mean, Freddy 2, the, <laughs> Freddy's the Big night, Gay Freddy's Al. Nightmare? Or what was, it? What was this? The Freddy's Revenge. Freddy's Revenge. The Big Sorry. Gay Al. The Big Gay Al of the Freddy series. <laughs> is better than The Gate 2? Damn. I mean, I'll, I'll get, even, even, if you take, even if you take Clue Gulliger out of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, mm-hmm. it's still better than The Gate 2. Who is the coach? And that's, who who is the coach? He's wow. actually a pretty famous actor, I feel like. He's been in things. Well, okay, famous actor is pretty generous. He's a yeah, he's a that, hey, it's that guy kind of actor. I was gonna say, like fam- famous I don't even <laughs> no, know if his he's kids not a household know him. name or anything. He's not a household he's name. He's no Craig T. Nelson. No, hell no. He wishes. He wishes. Oh boy, does he. Fourth in the cast, we have Kelly Rowan, who plays Lori, and oh, I've got lots of things to say about Lori in this episode. But she's most, this is probably her most famous role, but she was also in the Fox melodrama The OC, which, you know, whether you care to admit it or not, maybe a lot of you have seen. With Peter Gallagher? Hook, Candyman, Farewell to the Flesh, which was a sequel to Candyman. So she's been, you know, doing stuff. She's been out there. So Hook is one of those movies that I revisit every year because I absolutely love it. I would really want to keep my eye out for this actress in there again because I can't imagine what part she would play in that. You're 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 is really going to blow your mind. Thudbutt. She plays Thudbutt. She plays Thudbutt. <laughs> It was just an amazing makeup job. <laughs> it's it's interesting you say that, Matt, because when 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 the sad sad news of Robin Williams passing, when that when, when that happened, what year was that, Adam? It's has it been five years since then? Uh, it's, I think it's been six. Two thousand and fifteen. Fifty okay. was it fifteen? I thought it was fourteen. Yeah. When, but when that happened, Hook Hook was one of the first movies that I rewatched uh, to to celebrate Robin. 
because I think that's an underrated movie. It was a huge movie in the early 90s. Uh, should have It wasn't as big as they'd hoped it to be, but it really is a fun movie. And uh, I, I highly recommend Hook if you can go out there and check it on whatever streaming service it may be you're not playing on. It's a fun movie. I like it. I was almost sure you were going to say One Hour Photo. One hour, I liked One Hour Photo, too, <laughs> yeah. but Just that's not my Robin passed. Williams. It's such a fun, lighthearted movie, One Hour Photo. It really is. It really is. <laughs> You're full of shit, It's Matt, a lot like Matt. Passion of the Christ. You just watch it, you just feel good. You're like, oh. He plays a quirky guy working at a photo lab. Yeah, that's what it's he Robin is. Williams. He's just a quirky fella. You can't you can't be mad at him. He's he's like no. Mark from Orc, but in a photo mat. That's what he is. It also has Michael Vartan, so huh, eye candy. <laughs> Not a Jan Michael Mike. Was it Jan Michael Vincent? <laughs> Jan Michael Vincent. Uh, anyway, number five yes. on the cast list, we have... Um, <clears throat> Lori's sister Linda, played by Jennifer Irwin, who you may recognize as Virginia Crimp from the ABC, the excellent ABC sitcom The Goldbergs. Uh, she's also had stints on the Disney show I Zombie. She's had roles in Schitt's Creek and uh, the NBC comedy Superstore. So you you could argue that she's the most relevant of the oh actors easily in this film. yeah easily. Which is saying something. Yeah. The only other two actors, really, that I'll mention are Deborah Glover, who plays Mom. Uh, she does she she does have some things, some credits on IMDb. You know, she's still active um, in TV shows and movies. And Dad, who is Scott Denton, who works mainly in TV. That's the cast. That's primarily the cast. So, That's it. Guys, The Gate, initial imper- impressions. Now, Matt, I know that you had not seen the gate prior to doing this podcast so let's start with you sir what was your impressions of the gate okay so without really giving away anything as to whether or not i liked it yeah first impressions were that i got really excited about it this was an 80s horror movie that had a wide release that had somehow flown under my radar not only had i not seen it i'd not heard of it but then i got a little worried because i thought i don't have any nostalgia whatsoever for this movie so i'm going in blind and I would hate to go on this podcast because it means something to you guys. I know it does. Um, it, what if I had to come on to it and just like trash it? <laughs> just because <laughs> I, have... I honestly would have been absolutely okay with that. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, maybe it'll still happen. You know, maybe. maybe. Young, I don't want to give but, anything uh, away. Yeah, right. Exactly. But you know, the initial impressions. Uh, I was uh, cautiously optimistic. I mm-hmm. try to keep an open mind going into it, and uh, yeah, we'll get into it whenever we get into the plot. Yeah, was the fact that Stephen Dorff was in it? Did that did that help you? Did that did that maintain your uh, interest in any whatsoever? You know, that's a great question. I was really hoping he would become a blood god at some point. Spoiler: <laughs> He doesn't. But but I mean that's okay. Somebody didn't watch all the way through the credits. It's always fun when a, when a famous actor appears in like a lower budget kind of schlock movie. I think Adam and I talked about this in a previous episode where like, you know, Jennifer Aniston appears in the movie Troll. It's just like a nice Leprechaun. little Easter egg for you. He's like, oh, this, actually, this person actually became somebody famous. Yes, absolutely. Well, he wasn't famous at the time, but, but I will say this. I mean, as far as movies go where they have um, just kids, like as the main characters, uh, you, you could do much worse than, than what he did in this movie. I think he did a very admirable job. Yeah, as a, as a kid actor in the 80s, I thought he was actually really good. Adam, over to you, sir. Um, 
So what is your nostalgia for this movie? Is, is this a flick that you had seen a lot in the uh, 90s? Because, you know, it was an eight, late 80s Canadian film, so like it probably made its way to cable in the, you know, like let, let's just say 88, 89. So late 80s, early 90s was when it probably started making the rounds on cable. How, how did you come about this movie? Um, I, I, f- I think I probably saw this movie in the 90s. Because uh, in 88, I would have been five. And uh, uh, that would have... Neither of my parents do meth. So um, <laughs> I, I didn't see this until a little bit later. Uh, I probably saw it on cable. I, I really feel like I saw it at my grandparents' house. Um, this, if I had to say, like, the best way to assess this movie, I think, is it changed my life as much as Ghoulies 2 did. Um, so a lot. <laughs> Um, Ghoulies 2? Wow. Yeah. Not so much the first one. Ghoulies 1, I was like, oh, okay. Ghoulies 2, they really stepped it up because they put a carnival in it. And kids now, love carnivals. Ghoulies is one of those... I'll, I'll have to cop to the fact that I've never seen Ghoulies, even though... It was There's like one of four of them. Iconic VHS out, like, art, you know, with the, goo- like, the little green dude in the toilet. Uh, yes. I, I was not aware that there were four Ghoulies movies. I thought there were only two, and I found out there are four. I don't, I don't know when three and four came out, and I didn't care enough to look it up because I don't care. <laughs> no, I, I don't know why. I don't know why. It was like just. I think it was I like mean, eighty-seven Puppet Master movies at this point. Oh, like the some Puppet of these Master like, movies! Don't get me started. I, I would love to talk about the Puppet Master movies sometimes because those are actually oh, really yeah, fun. You know, Great to see. Started strong in one of those Puppet Master movies. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, uh, and for me personally, I um, I I do remember renting this uh, at the video station too, which has been mentioned I think before in previous podcasts. One of those like little mom and pop uh, video rental places, uh, very small. Now it's Jiffy Lube. It's a very little oh. video store, uh, but I remember riding my bike up to the video store and. Uh, you know, it. I know it's trite. I know we've mentioned it before, but just just looking at box, uh, the posters, oh, the, the, the cover art. You know, the you best. get you get a sense of like the gate, and the gate has one of the all time most intriguing posters slash VHS art ever. You know, it's got like the the cracked earth with the eyes, you know, looking up through the ground, menacingly. Ooh, very menacingly. I think that's something that's lost on a lot of modern movies. Uh, you know, now we just have the main characters standing in a field looking off somewhere. Or, yeah, very true. Um, it, it looks more like album art anymore. I mean, back in the 80s, you had these vivid, beautiful paintings. Oh, my of, God. Uh, you know, it's something that may or may not even be in the movie. Oh, but it a looks good so good. A good chunk of budget went to creating a very interesting, appealing painting that became the poster or the vhs art because that's you know as we'd mentioned before in the past on this podcast and this is not about like back in our day and we're not really going there but i mean it was a big huge part of it like you look at the the art on the box and you go that's selling you because they weren't really advertising on television for the gate yeah it was was, and well i mean when you think about you know because i know we uh, another thing we mentioned is <clears throat> trailers were really only available before you went to see a movie in the theaters or when you rented something. Mm-hmm. So, you, I mean, your trailer is kind of, I mean, is, is, was a lot more exclusive. So your, I mean, your primary, one, one of your primary means of advertising outside of whatever they did on TV 
which was again very minimal, was the poster. Mm-hmm. When people come the coming soon poster, you put that yeah. up and say, "Oh, coming soon." That was what. Yeah. You know, it was one of their main ways of grabbing people. Like, oh, I want to see that. It had to be intriguing. Had to catch you. It was a hook. So they put a lot more emphasis. It was in the back in the horror section. It's not like they put the 1987 poster of the gate. You no, know, up. You think you think in 1987? Like I think like good. You know, Good Morning Vietnam was that 1987? Like movies, movies like that that were huge and catchy. You put in the front of the store and the uh, you know to draw you into the video store. So you know, when my buddies and I like we we rode our bikes down to the video station too, and we were walking back to the horror section, which was toward the back, and uh, you know like you would just get. You would just get freaked out by by the box art. You know, like the gate was one that drew our attention. We picked it up, we took it home, we watched it at like a sleepover. Those those classic sleepovers from the you know like your childhood, and uh, it was great. It, you know, it was PG thirteen. It was like something that you you could get away with seeing. There wasn't an ex- there was not an excessive amount of nudity or language or violence. Just the right amount. Just the right amount. It was made for like a nine or ten year old me, which is probably around how maybe eleven when I saw this movie for the first time. So, the gate, although it's not in the Hall of Fame section of, uh, it's not wearing a gold jacket or anything in in the annals of horror. It it often it's like a B quote unquote like B movie, uh, but it's important to me. I really enjoy the gate. It's really fun. So I'm. It, it's cool that, like, you know, we have different, like, I, I saw it when it came out on VHS, Adam saw it on cable down the road, and then, Matt, you saw it uh, just, we, like, days before we recorded this show. Right. <laughs> I did, and I can't wait to get into it. Definitely glad you yeah. had a chance to check yes. it out. All right, so... Um, let's- I'm so happy to be here, yep. Oh, we're glad to have you, man. Definitely glad to have you. So, from this point, we're going to start talking about scenes from the movie. Uh, which, Spoilers. which is what's Spoiler alert, what's, kids. Spoiler alert, 1987. You you guys have had 33 years to... <laughs> oh, I was going to watch it tonight. Dang it. <laughs> to have, to, to get a chance to, you know, just stop stop listening to this episode, put a pause, go watch the movie, and come back and join us. Uh, we'll wait. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll just talk about the scenes. Uh, I'm going to try and kind of just go through scene by scene, and we can we can stop and talk about Because there's a lot of really fun scenes in this movie. Uh there, there are parts of this movie that just warrant discussions, <laughs> for real. Uh, but Act One, okay, so the movie starts with a nightmare uh, sequence. Actually, we have our young Glenn. Um, he um, he wakes up, and you're you're not really sure what's going on. You you kind of catch on that it is a nightmare sequence. You know, we see our first appearance of Thunderbolt, which was uh, I'm sure to play a big part later in the movie. Uh, but he he goes out into his backyard. He's got this big tree. Uh, he's got the tree house. He goes up into the tree house, sees a creepy doll, cre- creepy baby doll, uh, and uh, the lightning strikes the tree house. And while he's in the tree house, the the tree falls down. And uh, that's kind of how it starts. I really dug the opening scene. I thought it had like a cool Nightmare on Elm Street kind of vibe to it with the music. Um, and then, you know, of course he wakes up from the nightmare and there's actually, uh, the trees coming down. So you, we don't know why the trees coming down. I don't know if it was actually struck by lightning in real life. We don't, we don't know that. Uh, it just could have been the tree was dead, but the tree comes down. Weevils. It was weevils. Weevils. <laughs> yep. That'll get you. People they don't will. Pay attention to Every that single stuff. time. But, bec- <laughs> but because the tree 
because the tree is taken out, uh, we're left with this hole. And the hole is essentially the gate, the titular gate. This is where all the some of some of the really fun scenes later in the film we're going to talk about. So the you know this this hole actually comes into play, and I like the gate as a concept for a horror movie because it's pretty simple. You know, like you, anyone anyone can have a hole in their backyard. Uh, doesn't matter how deep it is. We don't know how deep the hole is in the gate just by looking at it from the outside. It turns out it's quite deep, but uh, you know, I, I have in my backyard right now like a spot where, you know, runoff from like the water, you know, like, uh, from, from the gutters just like runs down and the water is eroding the, you know, it's just like taking away the ground and it, it forms like this hole. And I could see as like a kid, you know, especially if you've seen the gate, you look into that hole and you're like, you wonder like how, what, what could be happening in that gate? And I think that's, I really like a horror movie that has like, just this like the simplest of premise where you can actually relate to it. You can put yourself in that position to where you know it's it's not that hard to imagine a hole in your backyard leading to hell. Yeah, I gotta I gotta tell you, I think I think that really it, it were I, I don't know who ultimately would be involved in it, but I have to imagine that Glenn's parents uh, must not have been very litigious because an undisclosed gateway to hell in the backyard of a home mm-hmm. I think is something you actually have to tell people about when you're selling a home. So finding that out after the fact, I think they would have had a really solid case in in civil court. Well, you well they didn't know there was a gateway to hell underneath the tree. No, if they, well, were, if the, they it, were to it wasn't sell, disclosed. Let's get into this. If they were to actually try and sell this home now, you know, at the end of the film, spoiler alert: that we we don't see the parents come home, but we assume they do come home, and then they, you know, like they see what like, if they the just damage didn't? done to the house, like oh god, what the hell? And the kids are like, "There's a hate gateway to hell," and you go and you look, and there's a big hole. I mean. Now, they would be liable. They would have to tell the realtor that there's a gateway to hell. Um, you need to know this. Just as if you were like a family were to die in the home, you'd have to disclose that information. I don't know See, what exactly the market value of that house, how far it would dip. There, you know, It seemed to be a pretty large suburban neighborhood. So you, you see I mean, here's but here's here's the thing about it. Yeah. Here's the thing about it. You, you you've got them either coming or going because either they could claim, oh, we didn't we didn't know the gateway to hell was in the backyard. Yeah. Sorry guys, you can't sue well, us. As a parent, you, know you could claim ignorance, right? Because they never actually oh. saw the gate. They never actually saw the demons. Well, what what I would do um, because if I was Glenn's dad, yep. Let's get <clears> into this. Tried, Let's get into this. And I tried and I tried to say, hey guys, you sold us this house. Yeah. And there's a gateway to hell in the backyard. You didn't yeah. tell us about that. I'm going to sue you. It's the 80s. Everybody was suing everybody. Oh, for sure. It was for a sure. hot thing. It was. But uh, if they tried to claim ignorance, you know what I'd get them on? Uh, who did? Who did? Who ran the the lines? Who was doing the surveying for this property? <laughs> huh? They didn't You're do telling their due me diligence. You ran, You're right. You sir. ran they gas lines in this backyard. Even you ran if electrical a, a lines. Hint. If there's just a hint of demons yeah. and gates to hell, you have to survey that. It's I'm telling your you. responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so you know, I, I, just to throw in, you know, my two cents here. Since we're going ahead and just talking spoilers, by the end of the movie, that gate is sealed. Up. In fact, by the end oh, of Act Two, oh, for it's God's up. sakes! I knew you would take. So, I knew you. Would I just want to throw pers- that out there. God I'm sitting here. I knew it. I knew you, you would go say, that route. You. you don't have to say there's a gate there. Ignorance is bliss. Of course, of course, you would say that. I didn't even have exactly. to hear what you were saying. Hey, you know say. what? 
at the end of the movie, our house spontaneously combusted, or the kids just threw a really crazy rave, <laughs> and this is what happened. It happens all the also, time. Also, you know, we, we you, built you it back got the best teenagers, we could. everything's got, fine. Yeah. I'm going to double right, down here. Right. I'm going to double down. Those kids, those kids, no way they're in a union, okay? No way they're in a union. <laughs> so whatever work they did to close the gate, yeah, totally not, totally not approved. All I'm right. just saying. Look, guys, I don't want this to become a political podcast. Okay? I, well, Let's... you know what? It just did. It just did. <laughs> it just did. <laughs> can we can we please just move on? Can we please just move on? This is a fiction. Oh, Glenn. This is fiction. Glenn's okay. better. Glenn, you, Glenn should have sued somebody. Glenn looks like somebody that would sue. God, that kid at always nine. with the suing of the fictional characters. Glenn, Glenn looks like somebody. Like He looks like he wants to be... Um, I don't even know what kind of law he would practice. It's the patches. But he looks like... You know what? I got I to gotta cop to this. The number of patches directly correlates to the likelihood of suing. And he has all the patches. Tons. I, I'm telling Lots of work Glenn. has been done. Lots of data has been accumulated because of patches on jackets. The dude, you know... He has them all over on on his arms. He didn't even stop on the back of his jacket, on the front of the jacket, back of the jacket, side of the jacket, inside the jacket where you unzip. You can't even see the patch. There's ten patches underneath. If you if you pull the jacket open and there's that little pocket inside, there's a patch inside the pocket. There's a patch covering there's the a patch. patch in the pocket. Yeah. It's a pocket patch. All right, I'm sorry. You guys are right. You guys are 110 percent right. If you can dodge a demon, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> <laughs> but let's just talk about this tree. The, the tree is uprooted. Uh, then we actually get to meet how you could actually make the argument. Uh, you, we meet our hero of, of the movie. Terry. We meet Terry. Al. Terry is our expert. He knows everything there is about heavy metal, the occult. He's a total metalhead. He looks it. He's got glasses. He's a redhead. He's skinny. Metalhead, right? Am I right, guys? You know, if you knew three people named Terry, Al, and Glenn, and they said <laughs> they knew a lot about the occult, you'd probably believe them. They're very common occult names, yes. Terry, Al, and Glenn. Mm-hmm. So Al, Al, um, not sorry. Terry, Terry is like you know the best friend of of Glenn. He he kind of eggs on Glenn a bit. He he you know every every time every opinion he has of any situation. The occult comes up. Just so happens that this movie in this scenario, the actually it actually makes sense. Uh, in, in the case of the of the milk money bully, uh, I'm sure Terry pulled out his heavy metal records and was trying to make sense of it all with heavy metal and the occult. I'm sure he probably did. Didn't quite work out that way, but in this movie, it makes sense. Oh, well, I just want to point out that if Terry, either the actor or the character, were in any other movie, he'd be dead meat right off, right? You know, you're coming in, you're talking about the occult, not exactly popular. He's a nerd. Parties, he's a nerd. I hate to say exactly. it. I hate to use the N-word, but he's a nerd. Going into this, I was not very uh, positive of his survival uh, going into this movie. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but we, but at this scene, we actually meet uh, the third, uh, we'll call protagonist of the film, uh, Al, who is a little bit older than Glenn. She plays a little bit older, wiser, a little bit wiser, uh, a little bit hornier. She's the sister, the big sister of Glenn. And uh, we, we see her uh, run off. 
Uh, Glenn is is very interested in building rockets. He wants to build rockets. He's very interested in rocket technology. Uh, but Al and Al once was. You one one might assume that Al got him into rockets. Uh, but now she's reached puberty and she's mostly interested in boys and shopping at the mall. So she has her little mall friends. Uh, they're they're calling for her to get into the convertible. Uh, I think that was a uh, late '80s model Mustang, if I'm not mistaken. It could have been it could have been a Chrysler. I'm not really sure. I think it was a LeBaron. Was it a Wasn't LeBaron? It a LeBaron? <laughs> was it a Chrysler LeBaron? I think it was a LeBaron. <laughs> It was a convertible of some kind, and uh, you know she runs off. Glenn's like, "Hey, let's let's launch the rocket," uh, and then Alice like, "Nah, maybe later. I'm gonna go to the mall with my friends." So she hops in the car, but we we do learn we we assume we make an assumption that Al was once his like good friend, but you know she's just at that age. They're drifting. She's just, she's, she's on the she's on the precipice of of womanhood. Uh, she's no longer like her. She doesn't want to be best friends with her little brother anymore. And uh, she she skedaddles. She's right out of there. But at this point, I thought it might be fun to talk about Glenn just a little bit. Uh, Glenn is our main protagonist. He's this is Steven Dorf, and uh, I I really I enjoyed Glenn. I thought he um, for a, for a Canadian film he got a bad shake. Uh, he didn't get the exposure of you know like a um, like a Corey Feldman or a Corey Haim. Or Corey Johnson, or Corey Jahan, or a Jeff Cohen, yeah, or Jeff, whatever. He just, you know, he didn't. He never got like the roles that those guys got. But I think, I feel like he, he, he's very much bringing the '80s vibe. He oozes '80s, and uh, you know, he, he's very much the 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 Kmart of of the Corey Feldmans. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize Glenn, uh, the character, not Stephen Dorff, but Glenn, actually uh, the youngest character in the ensemble uh to have his uh an mba and his own llc he has an mba and his own llc well there you go yeah he's a very organizing young man organized it all himself legal zoom not a sponsor yet but (laughs) we're working on that we're working on legal zoom i think had a lot a big hand in that legal zoom he's savvy he's very savvy open spaces for advertisements yeah matt what is your uh what what is your impressions of a young Steven Dorff. How do you feel that Glenn carried this movie? Yeah, yeah, you know, I actually, I like Glenn in this movie. I feel like if I were 12 years old, I'm trying to put myself into this position. Um, I would want to be like Glenn. I think I would maybe see a lot of myself in Glenn. Although really knowing me at 12, I'd probably relate more to Terry than anybody. Not that I was into the occult, but I was that kind of metal head. I didn't have the patches on the jackets, but you know, I wasn't that cool to have the patches on the jackets. Um, I, I think, um, you know, I think he pulled off the character pretty well. And, and again, Adam, I know it's one of your favorite movies, but on it. I watched Mac and Me the other night, so I'm comparing Stephen Dorff to the kid actor in that movie. And I got to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it. Stephen did a better job oh. than the kid from Mac. I'm going to say it. I, I know these are... Uh, that's it. Yeah, that's a pretty controversial I, stance to take in your follow-up episode of the Cinemasters of the Universe, Matt. I, I will say, I will say, in in uh, in the, in the defense of Mac and me, Stephen never faced any of the challenges of acting from a wheelchair. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> 
That's full true. use of both legs. That's true. Full you, use you of both legs the entire film. You handicap. That's not an easy thing to do when you're... Unfortunately... I, 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 can't, I can't take a side here. I can't take a side. You know, unfortunately, I think... Um, they a, a lot of the uh, a lot of the footage of Glenn as a uh, as a part time oboist was left on the cutting room floor, which I think was a wise move because it would have only hurt his character. The oboe is not nearly as popular as Canadians think. Um, they filmed a lot. They filmed a lot of scenes. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a director's cut. Out there's there like a twenty see. minute solo. Are we being of, serious right now? No, not even not even remotely. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> Matt. How did the deleted scenes? Deleted scenes. Oh, you know, there's deleted scenes. Glenn, you playing know, there was the some oboe. like editor out there agonizing on whether or not it was relevant to have that oboe scene. Uh, Terry the metalhead hanging out with the kid who plays. Gil. He fought tooth Perfect. and nail. Tibber, to, he, he was like, we gotta have this scene. We gotta have this scene. The oboe scene. The oboe is what drives this scene, man. <laughs> but why wasn't why wasn't Stephen Dorff a bigger child actor in the eighties? Like, why wasn't he? I mean, that's a good. I think that's a good question. I thought he he really feels eighties. You know, he's got everything that a, like a Henry Thomas has, right? Oh, don't even bring him up. <laughs> don't even bring him up. <laughs> Fuck you, Henry Thomas. <laughs> no, but he wasn't, and I don't know if it's because he was he Canadian. Was it because it's a, can, a Canadian film? I don't know. But it is cool that Stephen Dorff did come around as an adult. He had a he had a you know like he had a second shot at at stardom, and you know like I wouldn't say he was ever a big star, but he he stayed relevant, which is pretty good. Well, he wasn't controversial either, which I don't no. know if that was a good or a bad thing. As you know, yeah. there was I mean there was a lot of talk about the Corys. They you know they were rambunctious youths. Yes, so I don't I don't know if oh. it was just because. I think betwixt the two of them, uh, I think Feldman was a better actor, uh, but put them together and, and the hijinks ensued, and I don't know if that perpetuated that Was Feldman that career. the better, better actor, though, really? Yes, I mean, definitively. You think so? My money's on Haim. I, 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 think, I think Haim actually carried... You know, okay, okay, maybe, maybe Corey was... Maybe Feldman was a better actor. I definitely enjoyed his early work in The Gremlins and Lost Boys and all of those movies, uh, which, which Haim was actually in, too. In Lost Boys, not Gremlins. But Haim had that that Tom Hanks kind of appeal going to him. He had that sort of that was just the cocaine twinkle in his. <laughs> All right, moving on in this damn movie. So, leading into Act Two, we have uh, the parents. The they're they're going out of town, uh, which which leads to one of my all time favorite eighties cliches. You got that PG thirteen house party, which is awesome. Yes. Uh, oh, oh! But I, I don't want to mention. I don't want to forget this. Um, wasn't it weird? Is it just me? Tell me if I'm wrong. But was it not weird that Glenn's dad, who really doesn't have any, uh, like he has like zero screen time in this thing, but one of the few scenes he does get, he's bad mouthing his best friend Terry because his mom died tragically. We don't really know. I don't know if we really know specifically what happens to her, but. Uh, Apparently, like he's just damaged goods. Like he should not be the friend of of, of Terry, and he he's kind of a nutty person. It's kind of how he paints him. Like you don't want to be around this kid. He's bad news. I thought that was weird. Hey, you know your only friend? He sucks. Your only yeah. friend is a nutbag. Yeah, that kid sucks. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to linger on that too much, but like the mom and dad really aren't in this movie very much at all. And it's really kind of the end of the movie. Like they they reveal that they're going to be going out of town and they were going to hire a babysitter, but due to some petitioning from Glenn uh, and, and possibly to Al, they decide to go ahead and leave Al in charge, the big sister. She's going to be the babysitter. The much better deal. And thanks to that, if it weren't for this decision, we would not have the house party, which is really where season, Act 2 kicks in. I have so many questions about this house party when we actually get into the events that transpire during the house party. I'm hoping you guys can answer them for me. Well, let's talk about the house party, Matt. Uh, were you ever uh, a part of a house party this quite this big in, in the oh, 80s no. or 90s or whenever... You know, you were growing up. You, you, that, you, that would be you uh, supposing that I was invited to parties, <laughs> which I was not. But you know what? I'm okay with it. That's fine. No, no. I, I, fine. It's like, well, I'm doing a podcast in yeah. <laughs> 2020. <laughs> I was never invited to house party. House parties were a big uh, deal in the 80s and to... 90s. You think about kid and play, I'm, I'm house sure. parties were the thing to do. And uh, again, this is a PG-13 movie. Uh, you got to have a house party scene. And smash cut, parents say, don't have a party. And then, boom, there's like kids showing up at the front door. Uh, so, <laughs> Adam, I know you were a baseball player when you were, when you were uh, as a youth. You know, you're yes. an athlete. Uh, how many house parties were you uh, involved in? Like, would, can, you, can you confirm or deny the accuracy of this house party portrayed in this particular movie? Uh, first, I, I would like to... I would like to acknowledge you're the only person who has ever uh, attributed me as being an athlete. <laughs> so, well, let's not get let's not get excited. It's baseball. You can have a gut and be an athlete in baseball, <laughs> especially if you played first base. <laughs> I see. I, the but in, in any any way you cut it, any way you slice it, any way you slice it, yeah. being referred to as an athlete, mm -hmm. not something that I experience a lot. I'm not even kidding. So, you were an athlete. I was, and um, I'm glad that you brought up kid and play because I used to I used to be pretty tight with them. Uh, so there was a lot, <laughs> there was a lot, a lot of urban uh, parties at houses. I know um, you're very urban. You're very down with yeah. the urban culture. Yes, I a lot of people this. just look at me and can tell that, but yeah, for sure, um, this is this is audio only. Got the yeah. medallion <laughs> hanging around your neck with the continent of Africa just dropping. I watched a down. lot of Martin. You watched. You, you wore a lot of was, overalls with one strap hanging down. Yep. <laughs> Did you have the uh, backwards pants like crisscross? Yep. Yeah. Don't I had be it all. Yeah, okay. Man. Great. Good. Good. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I was uh, in all of it. I was just into all of it. I know. Just I know. Kind of we're all we're vicariously so there were, through your coolness. Uh, there were a lot. There were a lot of house parties. Yeah. Um, the one thing, one thing we stayed away from a lot was uh, uh, levitating children. <laughs> We didn't do that a lot. Really? That wasn't a thing? No, no. Okay. There was um yeah, a lot of uh a lot of really colorful alcohols. Yeah. Um really but uh but no levitating children. Lemonade. Yeah, no uh no levitating children. Zemas. That wasn't a thing. Zemas were a big deal. We're big on Zemas. <laughs> big on them. Huge. On a on a scale of 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 1 to 100, how authentic was this house party? Uh, the levitating children really takes its toll. <laughs> I mean, that's if you take that if you take that part out of if it. I if I had you a dollar for every house party I went to in I high tell school you, where there was a levitating child, the one thing, 
The one thing they really nailed was just right before the Loving Tunes. A lot of house parties, ghost stories. A yes. lot more than you would imagine. Oh, a lot for more sure. Than, like, for sure. You know, you get the dancing and the drinking and a lot and, and a lot of uh, um, a lot of loose morals. I'll just put it at that. A lot of mm-hmm. loose morals going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Um, but what would happen is you'd kind of reach that point where everybody would kind of, you know, you just kind of calm down a little bit and we'd light some candles and everyone would sit down and be very, very respectful and quiet <laughs> yes, of yes. whoever was telling the story. Right. And we would all just intently listen as they told a ghost story. You were so that, that kid. part was really You accurate. were that kid, right? That was telling the ghost yeah. story to calm everybody down. It was like, hey guys, all right, um, we've had a lot of fun here. Let's, uh, let's bring, let's bring the, uh, let's bring the tone. Let's bring the energy down just a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit, you know? Right. Um, just, you know, because it's going to help, it's going to help everybody sleep really well tonight. Yeah. So let's just kind of, everybody get comfy. Um, if you brought pajamas, go ahead and change. Change into your PJs. Uh, and, and let's, some let's light milk. some candles. Let's light some candles. Light some What's candles. That? Levitating children? No, 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 no. That's not <laughs> something we do at these house parties. That's Canadian. This is not Canada. We don't it's levitate a, children. It's a very Canadian thing. We will tell ghost stories. Mm-hmm. No levitating children. No levitating children. The ghost stories are usually Ouija board. You stop at levitating children, though. That's a bit too far. That's a very Canadian thing. Yeah, that's it's just it's so cliche. It's so cliche because everybody knew <laughs> you go to a Canadian house party. They're gonna start. Kids right? are gonna start flying everybody all over the place, bouncing it. off the walls. This 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 party is really fun though. Like I, I found it. Like I found it very odd that this. This little town has like every single child in in within like a twenty mile radius packing this house, uh, it, but but it was fun. It was fun to see like all those like eighties fashions. You know, you got like all the clothes, the hairstyles in particular. Uh, they're you know they're they're just chilling to some new wave music. Um, so that's what's going on downstairs. Now upstairs, on the other hand, you got Glenn and Terry talking about Glenn's old ass dog who in dog years is 97 years old. I wonder if that's going to play a, a part in the story whatsoever. Down the road, I don't know. But they've got this damn magical coconut. A geode, as you would, as you would scientific folks might say. And they're, they're, the, ge- the geologists that are tuned in, yeah. you know exactly what we're talking about. You know what we're talking about. Was, this is the part you're, you were looking forward to the most. When are they going to talk about the geology? When are they going to talk about this rocks? I'm just going to... Th- I'm going to throw it out there. That was some bomb-ass amethyst. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> no, but like Terry, Terry's like mentioning like, you know, like they're, they're, they're like trying to get the geode open. And Terry's talking about how like we can make some money. I like we can get some big bucks off this thing. And uh, so, so things are happening upstairs. Like the, the occult is in full swing. Like get it open. Uh, they're like on, on one of those like little, you know, eight like pads where you draw in and you, you pull it up and like you got like a fresh slate, a clean slate, and you can write on it again. Like there's some The poor man's etch a sketch. Yeah, there's like the poor man's etch a sketch and there's like some sort of uh, you know, spell that you you know you, you naturally you gotta you gotta recite and uh you know things are gonna happen. But so like upstairs you got this stuff going on downstairs. You got the teenage shenanigans, and that's that's what these types of movies are all about: teenage shenanigans and the consequences that they must face. Uh, in this case, a portal from hell. Matt Terry's Terry's trying to sell some rock. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, trying Matt, to sell some rock. Would Would you identify more with the um, the, the 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 nerds upstairs? 
uh, cracking open the magical coconut, or would you be more identifying with the teenagers downstairs uh, trying to hook up with with young girls and not not like illegally young, like you're you're age appropriately young. You're you're trying to hook up with these. Okay, I'm really glad. <laughs> no, no, not not as you Just a grown clarify, man. Not as you a grown man. There, there may be some police officers listening here as well as geologists. You're waiting outside no, 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 in your no, no, van. No, no, no. There, there, there's, it's been too long. It's been too long. You can't be, you can't be arrested for anything at this point. <laughs> oh, oh, good, good. There's okay. a statute. There's a statute. Statute of limitations. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, that's it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they crack open this geode and, and, you know, crazy stuff happens. Um, but yeah, if I were younger, yeah, I'd be upstairs with Terry upstairs. and them. I mean, you know, new wave music is cool and everything. Yeah. I guess I might want to be downstairs to maybe talk to girls. They got, but they got a dead honestly, dog downstairs, though. You know this, right? Well, <laughs> oh, oh, well, okay. Now, <laughs> that, that comes later. I know, I know. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. So there's a dead okay. dog down at the party. That would be a rager. That would be an amazing thing to have. Uh, did you hear about that party last night? It got so crazy, a dog died. <laughs> dog died. So we were just slamming Zemas and Mike's Hard Lemonade. Next thing you know, this dog died. <laughs> Obviously, you're 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 more identifying with the the cooler kids downstairs. We know what you're saying. Okay. Oh okay. Well, no, not at all. I identify more with the upstairs kids. <laughs> but I just wish that were the downstairs kids. Oh, oh, okay, kids. okay. So you're upstairs <laughs> playing but, but computer our, games, talk playing. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm upstairs all the way, man. Shoot, we could make some money with our geode. I could go to the mall and buy some pog or whatever with <laughs> popular eighty seven. What was popular? Yeah. I'd like to think that I could be. I'd like to think that I could mingle with Adam downstairs with the jocks and the cool kids and you upstairs yeah. with the geodes and the D&D and the pogs. Of course, man. Yes. <laughs> yes, I, w- I would love that. So anyways, downstairs we got Adam and his ilk. They're talking. They're doing the ghost stories. They're, things have calmed down. They're doing the ghost stories. Uh, and they decide to levitate Glenn. And uh, there's this girl who, to me... Let's be honest. She seems like she belongs upstairs. I don't know why she's downstairs with the cool kids. She just has an upstairs kid. <laughs> she look. shouldn't have been there in the first place. No, but she got lucky she's on this particular day. She took advantage. She was very, uh, she was very opportunistic. She noticed that there was some spooky things going on. She's into spooky things, and she just happens to mention that she could potentially levitate a child. So she saw opportunity. She took her shot. This girl's a hero in my book, but because of her, she that does actually. Me. She and another and and some of the other teens levitate Glenn, and and Glenn kind of, you know, the, he goes up to the ceiling and he 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 grabs like a sconce or something, and that breaks, and then like things, things just get out of control. Like he really levitates, and uh, that that shuts the party down. Way down. No more party. Cause a buzzkill. It's a total buzzkill. It's a total buzzkill. When you when you're when your younger brother levitates for real, uh, you're not really expecting that. You're thinking some fake levitation. Maybe some like some of the jock or the, the baseball players like your Adams and some other people are kind of like muscling him up there, you know? But not for real. Everybody knows when the first sconce gets broken. It's over. <laughs> That's it's right. over. That's a rule. It's That's over. a party That's rule. Party. So That's what it's the done. question that I have for you guys. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the I know everything about sconces. The woman... Okay, great. Good. <laughs> I have so many questions. This is a sconce question? Okay, good. You know what? Yeah, we could have an entire podcast just about sconces, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Ordinarily, that's what we talk about. 
Yeah. <laughs> so the woman who belongs <laughs> upstairs, who is doing the levitating, yeah, it yeah, looks yeah. like it's not that big of a deal to her actually levitating Glenn. She, she's uh, seen this before. Time, so. She's not quite. She's not <laughs> nearly surprised enough by what's going on. She's like, oh, it, damn, it, my powers. So am I led to believe that the power that was in the geode has been released and therefore she has the power now and she knows it? Or maybe she's used this power before and it's just not that big of a deal at this point. Here's, here's, what, here's what really happened. With the, what, with, the, with the actual, and this is the way the story was going to go until the demons actually showed up. Mm. <clears throat> that, yeah, that demonic girl, fun is about to happen for sure. That, that girl... It was actually old man Jenkins in a costume. <laughs> From and the no amusement park? He, he, he lives in an amusement park. Yes. They're trying to buy the land yes. in this, in this uh, subdivision. And so parcel by parcel, he's trying to chase off the homeowners mm. with bogus ghost stories. Right. Um, and if you look very closely, there's, uh, there's a, a rather powerful hydraulic lift. Uh, that actually, that's what causes the levitation. Is that what that was? Yeah, it's a, it was a it was a hydraulic lift. You can, I if, thought, if you I if you look closely, that was what it was. I thought yeah, there's there's a, a there's I a sizable be sure. panel. I couldn't be sure. Yeah, but have they have they removed the mask? Clearly, would have seen old man Jenkins. Yeah, I don't have any uh, really want to see the gate too. So I kind of like in my head canon that that's exactly what happens in the sequel. I'll tell you it is. It's all about those meddling kids. Just believe me that it is. I'll take it. That sounds amazing. Thank you for clearing that up. Glenn helps him with his escrow accounts. <laughs> Glenn, Glenn's escrow accounts. Or no, no, the Mr. Jenkins. Old man Jenkins. Yeah, old man. Old man is actually his first name. He's okay. legally known as Old Man <laughs> Jenkins. Right. His le- his God given first name. Yes. Old man. Old man Jenkins and Glenn. And Glenn. They have a spinoff sitcom. So, Glenn is he? He levitates. He's upset. Al shuts the party down. She tells everybody to go home. Glenn goes upstairs. He cries like a baby. Uh, Al says, it's okay. You can, your friend Terry can stay. We'll have a sleepover. We're going to salvage this thing. And she goes off to bed. Uh, Glenn and Terry go to sleep. And that's, that's where the next part of the movie kicks in. That's, that's where we get, um, well, actually, actually, I'm sorry. I don't want to go. Yes. Yes. This is the dead dog. Right. So, so Terry awakens in the middle of the night. And it's it's his dead mother who we learn from her from Glenn's dad that you know, like mother dies crazy kid avoid the kid you don't have any other friends okay great damn it this is this is my life I gotta have a son with like you know like who has a best friend who's a psychopath I have to deal yeah. with this I gotta get out my of town I gotta get my out kid's of town best friend his mom died wife. I gotta party I gotta go to Atlantic City I gotta have some fun I gotta blow off some steam I gotta get my head right but. Beyond all that, Terry sees his mom. He goes downstairs, uh, and you got that like really kind of creepy incestual vibe. That you know, is is this like is is Terry's mom calling out to him in a sexual way? You got that soft lighting. I don't know, guys. Did you guys get did you guys get that vibe as well, or is it just me? Oh man, it was really really uncomfortable. So for the first part of this movie, I'm thinking this is pretty cliche. Maybe it wouldn't have been if I were watching it back in the 80s. Maybe everything's borrowing from this movie and I just don't know it. But we get to this part of the movie and it goes from 
wow, this is really cliche to this got really weird really quick. It feels yeah, like it was intentionally incestuous a little bit. Like, you know, Stacy's mom kind of had it going on a mm-hmm. little and, mm-hmm. and maybe okay. kind of had a thing for his mom. All right. Maybe they didn't intend to play it that way because I know this was the director's first, T-Bor's first directing gig. You know, maybe he That's wanted to point. just say, okay, this is her That's mom. That's a good point act like you're really happy to see her. It doesn't come across that way, and I think this is because the way it's lit, there's like some slow motion going. It's a good point. It's a good point. Well, which would have been a better movie if there was more incest, I would say, by the way. <laughs> it could have been, been more pornographic in, in I would nature. love Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but, hell but yeah. I digress. Oh, hell yeah. I hear you, man. I hate you, brother. Well, my, my whole thing, my whole thing with this whole scene, because it's, it's one of those where like you're watching it, and, and, and as, as it's happening, I'm sitting there as like, <clears throat> Terry, your mom's dead. Yeah. That can't be her. Yeah. She's dead. Dumbass. <laughs> your mom, your mom is dead. You know this. Your mom can't be at the front door. Yeah. She's buried in the ground because she's dead. <laughs> this is completely unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but they... Nevertheless, they embrace, they spin around, there's a this happy reunion. Uh, but then things go bad. It's a reality sinks in. Reality sinks in, and instead of his dead mother, he's embracing a dead dog. It's a dead dog carcass. It's a dead dog carcass, which it is. It is. Did you guys get the vibe that this was the dog the entire time and he it was like an mm-hmm. illusion, so like he choked the dog to death? That's kind of the way that I took it. Terry maybe, murdered the dog. Maybe. At the entire time? Maybe. He's a dog murderer. He's a dog murderer is really where this movie should have gone. It didn't go that way. Death follows Terry everywhere he goes. Yes. It's mm. because he's into the occult and heavy metal music. And it's leather the, jackets. It's the heavy metal music more than anything. Yeah. yeah. yeah if you listen to Slayer, that's it. You're just on half <laughs> destruction the rest of your right. life. It's good demonic you know, fun. I think the thing is, I think he had all those posters and he had all those albums, yeah. but really and truly, he was just listening to Ario Speedwagon. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> like, he put on a good brothers. show. He put on a good show, That's but at Canadian the end of the day... heavy metal, if you're on it. Mean, let's be yeah, real. Yeah, he's, he's just like, man, Speedwagon's where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> so he wakes up from this nightmare. The dog is dead. Of course, you know, we know the dog is pretty old, so it's not really shocking to... Glenn, Glenn kind of gets over it pretty fast. The family dog is dead. He's pretty old. It's okay. And then, you know, here we are the next day, the day after. Terry goes home. We get a little bit of a peek, a bit of a glimpse of Terry's home life. Uh, Terry's dad is gone. He leaves a note, lets him know that he's on his own. And I'm like, wow, man, this, this really is like an 80s horror movie. Like, there are no adults the children are on their own, and this house apparently, is a pigsty. Apparently, Canada doesn't have child protective services. No, <laughs> no, they, they just have maple syrup. <laughs> yeah, we were too busy making syrup, eh? Don't really care about the children. They pretty much raise themselves. But you know, Terry goes home. But things here's where here's where I start to take notice, like Lori and Linda, the the friends from earlier in the movie that Lori hops into the, the, that sweet like convertible Chrysler, Chrysler LeBaron. So they, they show up and they brought a boy with them. Eric is the first time we see Eric. So we got Lori, Linda, the sisters, uh, Lori, 
can we just take a moment to appreciate her hair? I mean, it, it is marvelous. I, I believe that they may have crafted the twin towers after that hair. <laughs> it's just this wonderful. Oh man. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. If the twin towers was being held together by the, the, the substance that was holding Lori's hair up straight, <laughs> it would have never come <laughs> down. Hot take. It would have never come down. Jet fuel would have ben never, it would have never gotten to the heat <laughs> no. to melt those Lori's hair. That, I mean, her hair was magnificent, and it was em- emblematic of my child, like, not my childhood, but my early pre-teen years, you know, like, when I'm starting Your tween to years? Girls. My tween years, I'm noticing girls. Yeah. Uh, I'm watching tween shows. You, you would have had a crush on her, is what you're saying. But she did remind me of girls that I had a crush on, maybe, in middle school, and okay. for, for, like, little little Ron, little Rental King, and uh, so, like, whenever I do see her, it does... It does. I'm flooded with nostalgia of those big, huge ass waving booths, those ozone crushing booths, just like with a half a can of Aquanet, single handedly destroying the ozone layer. She was somebody's Canadian girlfriend. Oh, she. Oh, was, my girlfriend. She lives up in Canada. Yeah. Whatever. That was her. Whatever the version of Teen Bop was in Canada, she was for sure 100. percent on the cover of that version, Maple Team Bop. What a, moose, moose Beat. Moose Beat. <laughs> moose Beat. <laughs> oh, I was. I may or may not have been rubbing moose one beat. out to Moose Beat. <laughs> issue, issue, issue nine, volume twenty-two. Why is this one all sticky? It's all downhill from it here. It was folks. sticky, but it wasn't maple syrup. So, Why is this Vidal Sassoon <laughs> ad so sticky? But I just wanted to—I just wanted to pay the proper tribute to Lori's hair. It was—it was magnificent. Oh, Canada! <laughs> we should all stand and sing "Oh Canada" to her her hair. That's as far as I know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, know, what I don't comes know any other. I don't know any other verses to that. That's the—that's the important part. So we we see that you know they show up. They're having fun. Uh, we we get another glimpse back at Terry. He's indulging in some devil church. He's listening to some records. It's not really music playing, which is weird. It was just like, it was just like satanic verses, you know. Like he's he's he, but but well, they couldn't license any. No, is that right? I'm they sure. couldn't license any. They music. really wanted. Uh-huh. They couldn't get one rat song. We have a band. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> they couldn't get Dawkins. They couldn't get that Nightmare on Elm Street three money. Flock of seagulls. Dio. No, no. Oh, Black Eagles would be cool though. That would have been all right, but but this this scene's important because we 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 know if we weren't if we weren't sure from from Terry's jacket early in the movie, we're absolutely certain now that he's just into heavy metal and the occult because of this scene. So it's it's important, and he's at home and he's just like reciting the lines. Uh, so we we get that glimpse, but but more importantly, we go back to. The household of of Glenn and Al, we start to learn a little bit about what Lori's all about. Even though she has like the magnificent hair, she's not necessarily very woke. We'll just say from the no. twenty standards. No, she's not. Thirty thirty minutes into this movie, we get our first fag reference. 
Uh, she she literally calls Glenn a fag, and uh, no no no, Glenn calls Lori a fag. It's just the first of the cute little back and forth they have with one another, and, but Lori responds with like just this like classic eighties retort, tranquil. You know, at first, I really 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 wanted to believe that he was calling her a small bundle of sticks, <laughs> but I just I couldn't. I mean, I really couldn't bring myself. The to, meanness in his yeah, voice. Does it, I was like, does it mean the same thing? Exactly. Does it mean the same thing in Canada as it does in England? That's a cigarette. There's there's too much vitriol in his in the in the stinging bite yes. of the way he says this yes. for this to be you know some sort of uh, British colloquialism that he's trying to utilize here. No, <laughs> this is not a cigarette. This is not a uh, a small bundle of sticks. He's this trying is to just cut. offensive. He's Glenn. cutting Laurie deep. Be better than this, Glenn. Be better. <laughs> So, you know, HR is going to have a talk with you, Glenn. Glenn's going to go up to his room. Lori and her friends, Lori, Tori, uh, Lori, Al, and Linda, they decide they're going to go to the mall. And Eric, he volunteers to, to dispose of the dead dog. And uh, I, I feel like we should at least mention how realistic that dog was. I don't was an know. an actual dog carcass. I don't know. I, I think it was. We're talking 1987. <laughs> I feel like animal rights act like there there wasn't like the it's things Canada. in place. There's it's, not, and it's there's Canada. None. Things are loose. Things are loose. There's like, not. You could totally no take a dead rights. dog and put it in your movie. I'm thinking that might have been a real dead dog. I don't know. If don't you know stay through sure. the end, it says a lot of animals were harmed in the making. <laughs> a of this lot photo. of animals were harmed. A lot of animals were were <laughs> sincerely injured in making this movie. But I just found it <laughs> odd that Brad. He or Eric, I'm sorry. Eric volunteers to do this. Like they don't really make him do it. He's he's so desperate to get with Al that he actually decides to volunteer to dispose of the the family dead dog. This is weird. I'm glad you said that. Eric sucks as a character, <laughs> and again, in any other horror movie, he'd be so dead. I'm thinking, well, he's gonna die. But Eric you know should what? be the first objectively. To die. Yeah objectively saying, Hey, I will dispose of this animal for you. I'll find a place for it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, kind mm-hmm. of a chivalrous thing to do. I don't agree with how he went about it. Kind of stupid on his part. We know, but he unwittingly, he, he's the responsible for the sacrifice kicks. Is Eric, does he suck or is he our hero? Really? I, I mean, wish there would have been a scene leading up to that where he was like trying to stuff the carcass into a garbage can and that wasn't working. <laughs> Just he, like, beating tries the to dog throw, with like a baseball tries to bat. throw him off a bridge or something. It's like none of this is working. <laughs> that would have been great. That would have been great. That would have been much better than what we actually got. <laughs> they went through about eight dead dogs trying to film those deleted scenes that never took. We need more dead dogs over here. Send us some more dogs. <laughs> No, we need them dead first. How many first. dogs do we have for the budget? What's our budget? Two million? We can afford another dead dog. Right. Head on down to the Humane Society. They're just handing them out. <laughs> we'll sandwich these scenes between the ones where Glenn's playing oboe. It'll be perfect. <laughs> oboe. <laughs> That's that hot oboe solo. Glenn's upstairs, just pounded away on the oboe. Eric's outside trying to ditch another dead dog. <laughs> They're just stacking up. <laughs> Damn it. You know what? It occurred to me this would have been much better served as like a 10-part Netflix series. Oh, my goodness, yes. They could have really fleshed <laughs> oh, out Eric's character. We could probably write and direct that. Yeah, we could. We could. We'll have to schedule a meeting, Adam. 
Okay. I think you just I think you just text Netflix and they send you um they send you the money for your series. Oh yeah. yeah. Really? Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. You might you be right. Totally you might be right. I think that's actually true and how it works. So Angus is sacrificed. Things can get a little more interesting now. Hell hell is coming. Hell is coming. Uh so we we, we skip to the night. Kurt Russell's coming with it. <laughs> and I'm coming with it. We got wait. That's that. That's a Tombstone reference. Just so, reminding everyone, this is a, a movie podcast. It is a movie podcast. It is a movie podcast. And I, I couldn't. I couldn't live with myself if I couldn't at least brag about the fact that I did know that that was a tomb, Tombstone reference. So that night, Lori and Linda return. Um, they're they're gonna have a sleepover, uh, and then we have like this like hot and heavy like rapid fire back and forth between Glenn and Lori. Like, why is there so much animosity between Glenn and Lori? Like, Lori calls, like, seriously, like, she calls him a fag. She accuses him of fagging off with his best friend, Terry. Um, Terry, Glenn, Glenn pretty much, like, he, he comes back, though. He comes back and he tells, you know, Lori to, to suck his nose until his head caves in. That's pretty good. I mean, that's not bad for, like, a zing. Day. That's a good zinger for like an eight for a ten year old. I don't. I'm not sure. Yeah. It, it, well, how told old her. is Glenn? It's, it's, how old would you guys estimate? Forty seven. He's forty seven. Fair enough. So he comes back. Yep. This is like you know. Th- this is what you get with PG thirteen, right? You get no nipples. You get no cursing. But you up do your get nose with a rubber hose. Suck my nose there, till my head caves. There, there is a famous story, a, a movie story, I guess, where mm. Star Wars, the original New Hope movie, was going to be rated G. George Lucas went back and filmed the parts with Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru as skeletons, so he kind of spike it up to PG. Mm. So, really, this movie had been pretty tame up to this point. Yeah. I really thought they just added this dialogue just to bump it up to a PG-13. Because it's possible. Right, they it's had, possible. This, this was the 80s. There are PG movies in the 80s with nudity in it, right? So how are you going to make this <laughs> Pre-PG-13 PG-13? rating, yeah. That's Maybe true. that's what they were trying to aim for. But this was also the 80s, and this is, this is not necessarily... <laughs> That everything went, yeah, everything went. The '80s, hey, it's hard to explain. If you're young, if you're a younger kid, if you're like under thirty, you know, I can't explain the '80s. This, the this '80s was, collectively, you just had to be there. So, as the kids go to sleep, we get a, our first glimpse of the minions, uh, which you know I think we should talk about the special effects. Not those illumination that. ones. No, not, not the, the yellow, animated yellow not, ones. Not the bananas. No, not, not no. those guys. No, the the, the minions These are different. Are, Little demons who are actual actors in actual rubber suits who are being filmed into uh, like a forced perspective uh, effect and that works pretty well. And uh, not only are they forced perspective, just, just to kind of give it this just ex- additional, uncomfortable, unnatural uh, feel. They're, they're, I feel like the film's kind of like sped up a little bit too. So they're, they're kind of hopping around. Uh, they're dancing around. It, it it just doesn't you know. It's it's very scary. It's very it's very 80s. unsettling. It's very unsettling, but effective. And I, I really dug the way they use these little guys throughout the movie. Okay, so that night, Lori and Linda return. Uh, Lori Lori called. Oh, I already I heard. I'm sorry. I already talked about that. So the kids the kids go to sleep. We get the first look at the minions, uh, and then after that. We we notice that um, some shit goes down. Al runs into Glenn's room because I, I think there's like some some things happen, and we get like a, a a full grown like not not a small minion demon arm, but we get like a full full size demon arm like reaches out and grabs at Al's foot. 
which you know honestly there there are some like kind of iconic scenes in this movie we haven't talked about them yet but i don't know if this is necessarily one of the iconic scenes that you get uh the minions could be maybe fit in that category but i will say that like the 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 way that they pulled off that arm coming out and grabbing hold of uh, of al was was pretty effective like it actually for the first time in the movie i felt a little bit uncomfortable a little bit shaken you know especially as like a, a 10 or 11 year old like that kind of freaked me out there was genuine peril genuine there peril. was yes I- this is the point of the movie where it just kind of goes from, wow, this is pretty cliche to, man, these practical effects are great. I I think that it's really awesome to go back and and watch the way things were just kind of practically done. You don't get many movies like that. I want to say the newest remake of The Thing is the most recent movie I can think of where they said, look, practical effects only. That's all you've got. And uh, I I don't know, it's a very special kind of movie making um where you don't have something where you're like wow that's clearly cg none of that here man for better or for worse in some places a little a little dark lighting and a little bit of fog can go a long way in a movie like this right on great great atmosphere man you know that arm that's coming out from underneath the bed that's somebody's arm that's a real arm that was constructed somehow yeah really really played into like a younger kid's fears of the boogeyman or other things like you know we we've never i don't think adam we've ever talked about because the, the movie is not great but uh there's there's a movie that came out in the late 90s or early 2000s it was actually literally called the boogeyman that had a really effective opening sequence where like the dad's like looking underneath the, the bed and uh he he kind of like you know and and nothing happens uh, the, the kid's like, look under the bed and look in the closet. And then he walks over to the closet and then like whatever's in the closet, like grabs him and like violently like jerks him around like the frame of the, of the door and pulls him violently through the door like that. that the movie sucked, but that was a really cool scene. And it, I believe it, that was uh, Barry Watson of Seventh Heaven fame, was it not? You Man? might be right. Yeah. 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 I could see that. I could see that. Are but. we sure that this isn't just an episode of Seventh Heaven? Because that sounds off. Awful- <laughs> are we sure that isn't every episode of Seventh Heaven? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Say. I don't know. You guys are guilty of watching that. I'm not. I, I'm not going to cop to knowing that. <laughs> Seventh Heaven. Uh, but it did have Jessica. Was it? Je- who was it? One Jessica of Beale. Jessica Beale. There you go. Jessica Beale. Hey, the movie's really kicking into like eleventh gear at this point. Eleventh <laughs> gear. Yeah. <laughs> Two the, brothers. The demons are really starting to mess. The demons are messing with the kids. Uh, you know, they go to the, they run to the front door as a group. Uh, Glenn runs into his parents. Uh, they, they think maybe like, oh, this nightmare is over. But you know, the dad is like, whoa, you've been a bad boy, and uh, grabs Glenn, lifts him up. Glenn is like struggling and fighting, and you get like a pretty, pretty awesome, pretty gnarly effect of Glenn like smushing his dad's face in, and like it just sort of melting really i don't even know how to describe it like it's not like a natural thing his his head is like he shoves his thumbs into his eyeballs (laughs) his face starts to deflate and then falls to the ground falls apart well see here's the thing glenn's amazing yeah glenn was in vietnam uh so glenn has seen some things he's seen some things and so he was very comfortable. That. They teach you how to respond in the bush. That's what you do. Yeah, when when the Viet Cong show up, you go for the eyes. So he was I'll ready. Spit my drink out. 
like at this point in the movie, the movie's really kicking in. Uh, It's kind of become like a poltergeist movie, like a haunted house. Things are crazier going on in the house. And it's like the gate. If someone was like, what is the gate like? The gate to me at its height, at its most fun, at its peak is like, what if Joe Dante from Gremlins and uh, small soldiers, small soldiers. Yes. With, with the little creatures, what if what if Joe Dante made a Poltergeist movie? You know, like what if what if what if Toby Hooper hadn't made Poltergeist with Steven Spielberg, and was, instead you got Joe Dante? Like that's kind of what this movie feels like, and I love it. I'm totally here for it. It's it's like just a lot of good fun. It's B movie um, sh- horror fun. You'd have Murray Futterman in this one, which would be awesome. I wish. Oh, I wish. He's very he's very loyal to Joe Dante though. Oh yeah. Terry realizes the gate needs to be closed, and Lori's hair is still amazingly stiff and standing straight up. One here's 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 something here's something we may have overlooked. <laughs> just dawned on me. Yeah. <clears throat> if it's about um, Lori's hair, we need we can't we can't leave that stone unturned. No, it's about um it's about Terry's dead mom. If she oh, hadn't okay. died, too. if she hadn't died. Um, then he probably would still be relatively well adjusted. She's a bad mother, and and would know nothing about the occult. No, leaving them completely vulnerable to demons. Don, nothing so but Donnie Osmond records. I, I think. I think the thing is, I think everybody should really. I mean, like that's just something that bears notating that had Terry's mom not died. So I mean, we should all be. I mean, thank you to Terry's mom for dying, because had she not, true. these kids would have been completely vulnerable. That's a good point. So mothers, feel free to die, because be- Terry's mom just just, just Terry's mom. <laughs> As a result of that, you could get some cool, <laughs> uh, you know, like sketchy kids. Kids might grow up to be into the occult and for sure heavy metal or whatever the equivalent of heavy metal is nowadays. I'm not even sure. And you you might have an interesting kid. You don't want to have a boring kid, right? Gate to hell opening up in your backyard. That if you're not there, your kid's going to know exactly what to do. Yeah. yeah, which turns out is kind of also not Terry as we go through. <laughs> yeah, the story here. Let, let's but let's Terry move Thinks on. Let, let's talk about one of the iconic yeah. scenes. Um, it's it's a great scene, and it, it absolutely affected me in the best possible slash worst way <laughs> as a little as a youth. But so yeah, the the kids all wander into the backyard, and we see they they go over to the hole, and and by God, if Terry doesn't fall in and you know, back up Terry. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't help but think of that. Like you got that great video of like Terry in the wheelchair. Back up Terry, Adam. Can oh you... Lord, Terry. Back up, back up, back up Terry. Put it in reverse, Terry. Put it in reverse. Oh Lord, Lord Jesus. Oh Lord, oh Jesus. What the what, what you doing, Terry? I I know this is a movie that you had seen, uh, possibly at your grandma's. In, in the early yes. '90s, so that you know you you were younger. You, let, let's just say you were probably around the same age that I was when I saw it on VHS. What what did this scene do to you? <laughs> this this is this is one of the scenes that that really stayed with me throughout the years. Yeah, like him him being down in that hole and the little minion things show up and they you know they kind of do their little weird I got a pee dance thing and they're just ah, what's going on yeah uh, where did we where did we park the car I don't know what level <laughs> were we on I don't know that whole dance and then they come exactly. over and they're like they just start biting him yeah and it's like okay that was a pretty quick progression 
Like we just went from here's the demons to now they're eating Terry. And for a kid, um, thinking that something's going to eat you can be relatively terrifying because being eaten, being eaten isn't necessarily something you think a a lot about as a child. Like something's going to eat me. No, that's not coming up all that often. So it was, it was a pretty vivid scene. I think just falling into a hole is scary enough. Falling well, after baby Jessica not being able to get out, but to also have to deal with little demons who have to pee. So this is like a layer of, of horror. His problems are compounding at this moment. They could and they could Glenn's him, trying they to figure out the industry. He could be excited by this. He's got to deal with that years later in therapy. Uh, but no, no, Terry, Terry, he's like a take take charge kind of guy. Like this is his moment. Like he spends his days and nights listening to these records. He knows a little about the occult. He's got the denim jacket. Uh, this was his moment to shine, and he's he's getting a little bit cocky with his, uh, you know, his he's you know like they're they're reading scripture from a Bible. They're trying to close this gate. He falls in for what seems like forever. He falls way down into this. He hole. He falls way down, way down into this hole. You got like this weird, like you'd mentioned, like uncomfortable kind of you know the, the, the little the little demons, multiple multiple little demons who. Who probably would? What would you say the size of these things? They would they come up to like your calf, maybe your ankle? I don't know. Yeah, they like eight to ten, eight to ten inches high, give or take. Yeah, uh, multiple, yeah, for probably. It's a little inconsistent throughout the film, but it, uh, I would say around that range. And and the hole's pretty. I I got the sense that the hole's pretty narrow, even though it's deep. Like I don't think it's necessarily all that big. Yeah, it was about eight to twelve miles down into the center of the earth. Conservatively, yeah, conservatively. So, well, it's Canada. Kilometer. I don't know what that is in kilometers. <laughs> kilometers. How many kilometers did this thing go down? Right. It's, it's Canadian measurement. How many right. moose links did this thing go down? Yeah. I can't I can't do that conversion on the fly. <laughs> no. Many Canadian. If you're Canadian, you know. You just did it yeah. in your head. But Kudos to you, Americans. Canadians. We don't know. We're just but, stupid Americans. But uh, th- this is a really effective scene. And uh, one, one of the things for me that really stood out was it wasn't so much... Yeah, he falls down in the hole, and the demon, the little, the little uh, minions are biting at him and stuff. But I, I don't know what it was. It, it was very, it was cool. They didn't even have to do this, but for me, it made it so much more effective. You got like the perspective of Terry looking out through the from the inside out, and Glenn and and Al are they're desperately trying to reach him. You know, like they're. I, I thought one hundred percent. I thought Terry's a goner because a he was a cocky asshole. Cocky assholes don't typically last long in movies like this. So, you know, I just figured he was a goner. He was, you know, he was brash. He's like, I got this. I got the Bible. He falls down in. You think he's dead. But it is PG-13. But he's like, look Well, I think up. it was the denim. I think the denim really saved him. It might have been. It might have been. Had to, if I had to attribute it, it was the denim. <laughs> that was, I mean, it was, I was clearly, I mean. They couldn't penetrate the denim. <laughs> it, if you look closely... I mean, there's you can't see the tag, but um, just I, you just get this sense of the structural integrity of that denim, and I mean, if you're in the, I mean, if you if you know denim, you know that's action denim. Well, Jordash, as you know, and many of you know, is the chainmail of '80s denim. You know, because <clears throat> it's very um, tough. It's very. I know tough. it's been a, it's it's been a while since we've talked about action denim, uh, the <laughs> denim that Chuck Norris. <laughs> Was uh, kick and punching, <laughs> kick and punching. Yeah, and you know what? It's so strong. Not even, not even demons 
Yeah. You could go up against demons in action denim. That's they something didn't, uh, they didn't advertise. They, they don't. They should. They should. They should. I told them in a lot if of letters. you're going to recite scripture on the lip of a hole that goes down to hell, you better be sure to wear some action jeans. Better be wearing they action denim. will save your life. And so that, yeah, they, it's not just the demon, but also the patches, too. So you sort of got double mm, reinforcement mm, there. It is. It the patches adds a it. layer of protectiveness, too. Yeah, you're probably right. Good call, Matt. Good call. It, it's it's uh, a combination of the two. The patches protect him um, from not only demons, but also uh, pretty girls. That's another <laughs> thing that he doesn't have to worry about dealing with. Which is something you never had to worry about as an athlete. As a, no, as, as, as an as athlete. A, as a world-class athlete with zero patches, it was very popular with with ladies. But in all seriousness, it's all seriousness. I gotta, I gotta all talk about all serious. We are all serious. My favorite, most hilarious scene. So they they actually managed to pull Terry out, and you know, like the the wind is like whipping like big time. The you know, like the demons are upset. He even at one point says, like, you know, stop talking. Like you're you're upsetting the demons. And they pull him out. And he grabs the Bible again. He starts, he's, he's like, he, he can't get to the I don't know spot. what to read. Yeah, he's like, I don't know what to read. And they're like, just read anything. And he tries to read, but then he just gets like frustrated. And he just, he's just like, ah, fuck it. And he just like throws the Bible into the hole. <laughs> he just slam dunks that. He does. He just slams that Bible. But it works. That's my favorite part is he gets so pissed. Like just the artifact, <laughs> the Bible, the book, just throw it into a hole. And it's sealed right up. And, I mean, a lesson is learned here, you guys. All you got to really do, you don't have to worry about reading anything out of the Bible. Just just the Bible itself is enough to seal up a hole to hell. I mean, it, if Sunday it school this, taught me nothing else, it's that. This was a pivotal moment. The idea that, uh, well, it was, it was, indeed, you know, instead of party things, it closed. But do you, do you get the idea that maybe this movie was written with this being a possible endpoint in mind? Because mm-hmm. it seems pretty definitive. Do you think that maybe they said, okay, we could film up to this point if we have any money left over, maybe we could go ahead and film the rest of the third act? They'd, and they'd already burned through a lot of film on the oboe scenes. That scene, yeah. Because there is 23 minutes left of this damn thing. <laughs> there, which really surprised just, me when I went to go look at it. It's yeah. just them cleaning up the house and reminiscing about the weekend. <laughs> Ordering right. a pizza. Right. <laughs> so, we levitated you. That was crazy, right? Yeah. That happened. Hey, that remember when our happened. dog died? That was crazy. <laughs> we should find we another. Sure him. He's probably eaten by demons now. And that brings up a good point. Where was the dog in the hole with Terry? Did the demons eat it? What happened to that dog? I like to think that there's uh, <laughs> well, it, it could be more a movie of Eric having gone down to get it. And yep. then, you know, he's still trying to dispose of it in other areas. Mm. He just wasn't satisfied with that. Yes. So. Yes. There's just a whole like that, quest. Uh, There's a whole Lord of the Rings style quest with Eric that they, they storyboarded and everything. Go they they there's, there's a lot of that in the sequel. Oh, a lot right? of it. <laughs> it's all the sequel. <laughs> it, they saved it for the sequel. There's, oh, I mean, there's a good 45 minutes of just they Eric they looking for different places. Franchise dollars there. They didn't want to, they didn't want to blow their load. So they go back into the house, all is well, seemingly. Uh, the sisters are hiding. Uh, we got a couple of dudes 
who wait until this exact moment they jump out of a closet for like one little jump scare, which was weird as hell. I did not understand this. Oh, thank you. Yes. I'm so <laughs> glad someone else brought this up. Just three dudes hanging out in the closet. <laughs> we, we don't know what they were in there doing. But, but they, you're right. They jump out at this exact moment while, you know, hell is breaking loose in the yeah. backyard. I could imagine them being inside going, oh, you know what would be funny? Okay, let's wait until they close the portal to hell. And then when they go to open the closet, we're going to jump out and scare them. That's going to be hilarious, man. Uh, well what would be really great, here's if if these guys, uh, because of their theatrics and because of their, you know, they just kind of pounce on people like, ah, surprise you to come out of nowhere, it would be great if they were Mormons. Ooh. And they are like, Jehovah's we want to talk to you about, about Jesus Christ. Yeah. And... <laughs> And then the, there's like, oh, hey, sure. What what do you got? And one guy goes for his Bible and he can't find it. And then the camera just pans to Terry, who just kind of slyly grins. And you realize he <laughs> threw it, their Bible yeah, into winks, the gate. And then the yeah, it does like a Hannibal, like Han- like you know, yeah. at the end of Hannibal when they they kind of pan in on Hannibal Lecter. That's what they should have done. That's what they should have done. Missed. I could have ended this movie eight different times. <laughs> that was it. Dum so, dum 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 dum. So we still got a whole little bit <laughs> to happen here. So Al, Al, you know, everybody goes home. The douche, the douche guys, they they're kicked out. Um, the douche guys go to the Seven Eleven. They go to the Seven Eleven or whatever the Canadian equivalent is. Exactly. So, Tim Hortons. <laughs> Al Al decides <laughs> she's going to go take a shower. Um, you know, they they go into their rooms. Uh, Terry and. And Glenn, they're they're they just continue their sleepover, uh, but then then like the workman zombie like breaks through the wall out of nowhere, and I, I really I dug this. It. it was fun. It was really cool. Oh, like, this was so much fun. And, and you know, th- this is something I don't know if we touched on it earlier, but I mean, everything that they had talked about earlier in the movie is really coming back. There are literally no red herrings whatsoever when it comes to the gate. You've got a zombie man coming yeah. out of the wall. So now, yeah, not only have we had demons. We got zombies now. We got and zombies. I'm all in. But it was fun because it's like it's like the demons are are playing, they're preying on the kids. You know, like Terry had told the story about the workman who was buried alive, a la the Hoover Dam kind of situation where like it was like like he died between the walls. He breaks through. Uh, but but you know Terry Terry told the story and he he's the one who gets captured. You know, like the zombified dude grabs Terry. Pulls him through the wall. The wall seals back up magically, and here we are with Glenn left alone. He he sees this happen. He he's in the mind state that like things are good, you know. He chucked the Bible into the hole. It's sealed up. Now his best friend is gone, and he realizes as long as 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 well as us, we all realize the prophecy. The two the two sacrifices, one down, one to go. And that other one was was Al. So Al Al's in the other room. She's showered. She we we get this like kind of weird composite scene where Al's looking into a mirror and you we we as the movie viewer see the workman, the zombie thing stare right back at Al. But like this this is a part of the movie like I feel like they should have either cut or reshot a second take because like Al doesn't react to seeing this zombie in a mirror. <laughs> fucking one bit like she doesn't even register that like this thing is occurring in front of her eyes well am i imagining this did you guys notice this too 
she's she's kind of in the middle of her own little Buffalo Bill scene there. <laughs> Explain. Where it's like, this is a little uncomfortable. I'd fuck me. <laughs> they had to cut that. Is that what you was doing? PG-13. Yeah, it's PG-13. Right, right. It was PG-13. Even Canada can't me. use that in a, in a PG-13. <laughs> I'd nick me. I'd nick me so hard. Okay. So, yeah. So, you know, that we got that scene. Like, uh, Glenn, he's running in. He kind of saves the day. He, he like... He hits the the workman and like like there's this cool memorable scene where like I thought it was cool really cool where the the workman kind of falls and when he hits the ground uh, he kind of disintegrates into all the little minions so, like the minions are behind this all the time I thought that was a really cool scene oh what a great effect that was it I was. really really loved that there are so many places in this movie that I'm blown away by the fact this thing only cost two million dollars to make which is really not that much money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, considering you have this many effects that look this, yeah, I'm not saying, you know, they're not like the best looking effects in the world. It's not Star Wars or anything like that. But I mean, they still, a lot of them hold up really well today. I mean, they make movies nowadays. This that are is like, one of them. You know, the budgets are like in the, uh, you know, $200 million or more. Well, you can spend $2 million on one shot anymore, much less than a entire <laughs> movie. Right. Well, and when you can, I mean, you consider some of the things, some of the things that were popular and were made, I mean, the the effects in, I would say the effects in the gate, uh, a lot of them are better than the uh, than some, with the exception. I know we we talked about it uh, in in last week's episode with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. There's the cockroach scene in Nightmare mm-hmm. Four. Yeah. Outside of that, and maybe one or two, like there's, I mean, the effects in Nightmare on Elm Street Four, outside of that, are not impressive at all. I mean, that was mm-hmm. when I was like compared to Nightmare Three and Nightmare Five, right. which were both better. So it's you have main major mainstream films that I mean aren't pull, aren't pulling off. I mean, effects as cool as some of the ones in the gate. So it it, it goes back to. It's one of those movies where, like, you know, why didn't this, you know, some of these, because this is, this is the bread and butter. It's like, these are some of the shots. I mean, you can't just let everybody say, oh, here's all the cool stuff we did in the trailer. But yeah, they some got of that, a lot like, of mileage hey. out of that budget. And uh, the yeah. force perspective is, is like really good. And I don't know if I'd mentioned before, but one, the, the special effects supervisor of this film actually went on to go and, and, uh, and, and oversee a lot of the special effects in the Lord of the Rings movies. And you know, like those were also actually pretty good. I mean, you had like you know the the hobbits with the forest perspective. They they looked really convincing next to um, those you know, Dumbledore trees. with not Dumbledore. <laughs> Dumbledore, you're a wizard. <laughs> Gandalf, with Gandalf. I'm sorry. I know what you're doing. Gandalf, yeah, like Magneto. Know, yeah, with Magneto, they, they, it Magneto. was convincing. Yeah, it was convincing I, down in the club. Hobbit's yeah. little house, and like that was really cool. And that was not a green screen. That was forest perspective. So, it, you know, it, I really, really appreciate these, these movies. I feel like because of that, they really stay, they hold up a lot better than a movie that was filmed a lot of green screen. I'm sure you guys agree with me. You know, it's like the, the more you can do with, with practical, the better as far as like how the film holds up. And uh, to, be, to be a low-budget 80s horror movie, scenes like this, they, they look cool. They still look cool. This, this scene, far and away, for a number of reasons... Is is infinitely better than if they were to say put in a CGI pair. I knew you were going to say something infinitely, about that CGI infinitely pair. better. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! So at that point, uh, 
Al, <clears throat> Alan and Glenn, they, they run and hide in a closet. Uh, think things get a little frantic at this point, you know, a little like, dicey. Yeah. They get a little dicey. Uh, Terry's missing. Uh, you know, they, they just witnessed this, this crazy thing happen with the workmen, both of them. They run in, they run and hide in the closet. Uh, Glenn, Glenn remembers there was an earlier scene in the movie where they, he finds Thunderbolt again for like the second or third time. This, this, this rocket gets, I would, I would have swear to God that whoever made this rocket was sponsored. Like it was Pepsi or, or friggin' some other sponsorship like Sprite. It was so, there were so many mentions of this Thunderbolt, which really doesn't do a that, damn thing in the movie. There's that Thunderbolt there's, right next to a giant bowl of foreshadowing. <laughs> right next to exactly. Yeah, the, the, this was a big foreshadowing point, maybe to the movie detriment maybe there is a rocket called thunderbolt or there was back then and you're right maybe this was a sponsor for that it would surprise me at all they 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 anteed up a million of the two million dollar (laughs) budget they went they went bankrupt they went bankrupt due to this (laughs) (laughs) the reason you don't know what thunderbolt thunderbolt rockets are is because of this movie (laughs) (laughs) they were Um, real big in canada they were they were huge in canada huge Um, huge so they, you know, he, he runs off, he remembers his dad's gun and like, he's like, all right, I'm going to run for that. Uh, then, then there's like some more shenanigans in the closet. Uh, there, uh, Terry pops up, he bites Clint. Very <laughs> like, conveniently. Very conveniently. Terry was hiding in the perfect spot. It, you know what it reminded me of? Remember the scene from Jurassic Park where, um, they're turning the power back on and then the, the, the hand like appears and like touches, uh, what was what was her name? Um, Doctor Sadler. Yeah, so like Doctor Ellie it Sadler reminded me of that. Like you know, like that just kind of pops there out of nowhere. Like here comes Joe Harry's Arnold's head. arm falls down. Just, yeah, just bites, just burn, just bites down. I, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it was kind of you know from the same. I, I think it's safe to say that Jurassic Park Jurassic definitely Park stole from this movie. I really do. I think that with all my heart. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yes, yeah, so, I like. You know, nope. Uh, I I like I like that uh, they're they're hiding in the closet, and then Glenn is like, "Oh, you know what I just remembered? Dad's uh, shotgun and shotgun shells that aren't locked up anywhere. No, this is the eighties. No, Guns are 80s. just available to children. Yep, they're not locked in any safes. So yeah, so like Al Al's grabbing the shotgun. She's loading the shells. The the little minions are like right on the other side. Uh, the, the, here comes the workman again. We thought the workman was dead, right? He smashed into all the minions. So he, he reaches out, grabs Al, pulls her through, and then there's her second sacrifice. So now Glenn is truly alone. Uh, hell, like the, the prophecy is complete. Uh, we got this gigantic monster thing that sort of appears uh, from underneath the house. A bigger hole emerges. You got the stop motion, like Kraken-like creature pops up, which is, you know, pretty cool. Reminded me a lot of like the the main alien from Howard the Duck. I don't know if you guys remember that movie at all, but it kind of reminded me. Oh, of that I remember somewhat. that movie with Jeffrey Jones. With Jeffrey Jones, Jeffrey Jones turns into the alien. But even in that movie, it was like it to to pull off what you wanted to do. You couldn't build this thing. You did have to resort to stop motion animation. So that this was like the big stop motion animation effect of the movie. You have this big monster comes up through the ground. Uh, Glenn's terrified. They have like a they kind of have this moment uh, where you think Glenn's going to get eaten or possibly drugged down into the hole, but no, the Kraken just sort of like kind of like pats him on the head and lifts him up, and then he gives him a high five, and then he goes away. 
but the high five, and he looks down in his palm, and you got that that really classic scene of the eyeball uh, blinking and and Glenn's in the open palm, and that that's a really cool scene too. Like that's up there with like the Terry falling down into the into the earth. I I think I think really when when you think about the scene and you think about the kind of uh, what they're trying to do with this, and and you just when you really start understanding the layers that they were going for in this movie. It really does fit as an allegory for sexually transmitted diseases. Mm. Um, you just like you know he connects with this demon, and then he's left. Oh my goodness, the demon has left. I'm here by myself, and now I have this. I have this eye in my hand. It's 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 like a, a visual representation of herpes, and he's he's, he's just sitting there <laughs> lamenting. You, you yeah. and I were so right. close, Adam. Okay. I, I was thinking along the similar lines as an allegory of masturbation. You, uh. if, if you masturbate, a demon appears from the, the ground. It crashes through. It high fives you. You and then you know you look down at your palm. It knows you're masturbating. It sees what you're doing. Well, you know, I just want to point this out. I did go to Catholic school for eight years, and that's exactly <laughs> how they taught it. Is so. that how they taught it? That, that was it. That, that, you will exactly open a gateway to hell so if you masturbate. They used this scene. It, eyeball will appear on your hand. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. That's really uncomfortable, you know, when you're trying to. Yeah, anyway. So, yeah. So oh, the, I know. Yeah, it's like scratching your eyeball. <laughs> it's like, you know, you get, a, you get a hair in your eyeball. That hurts. I need some Visine for my hand. Eyelashes, man. Jeez. <laughs> So, you know, all looks hopeless. Uh, Glenn looks out, and he's got, the, like, the there, there's, like, everything has been fully realized. The, there's hell on Earth. Uh, the demon comes back up, and he remembers, uh, he, oh, there's another rocket. He, he tries Thunderbolt, but he couldn't get it lit because of the wind, that damn wind again, the same wind that prevent, like, was giving Terry all the troubles with the Bible. So he he there's that scene there's another foreshadowing there's a lot of rocket foreshadowing in this movie honestly there's thunderbolt but then there was also that other rocket that he wanted to build with Alan he like tosses it behind the bed and he's like yeah so he sees that rocket he he shoots at it the demon and the demon explodes and like that actually works like the <laughs> that's how they destroy the demon that's how you kill demons with uh children's rocket toys Mm-hmm. Yes, th- this was a mercy killing. Can we just call it for what it is? If that demon had gone out into the world, he would have had to avoid anyone with, you know, a military or a toy gun or yeah. another toy Anybody, rocket. Any kid who has G.I. Joes at that point with a little spring-loaded rockets, <laughs> he's susceptible to death. No! <laughs> I never anticipated that. It was like the aliens landing on Earth in the movie Signs. Oh, right. As long as we stay away from the thing that 80% of the Earth is made out of. Like, ah, uh, moisture. Yeah. Uh. Glenn took it easy on this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, Glenn took it easy on these demons. It was a mercy killing. Uh, still a very cool scene to see, though. I, I really dug the, the animation with the big, giant demon coming up out of the ground and uh, and everything with it. So it, so it was cool. And I'm, I'm actually aside, overlooking the scene where he cool. takes the glass and stabs the eye in the, in the palm. That's a yeah, really yeah. memorable scene too. But and the demon uh, picks him up and does kind of like that, that uh, rodeo move where he's swinging <laughs> him around. Yeah. It, it's really just kind of thrown together. It's all symbolism and just, you know, it works. So Glenn, Glenn gets blown out the front door. And in one of my favorite scenes where he's like end over end, like being blown out of the front door. Oh, 
If you can find that on a clip of that on YouTube, you should check it out. It's really funny. That's what happens when you kill a demon, actually. It's <laughs> yeah, the scientific part of it that a lot of people don't talk about. Physically, that's how it works. That's uh, yeah. And if that, you that's, if you kill a demon with science, that's what happens. And from that, you know, like the, the demons vanquished, the hole closes up, uh, the sky clears, and you know, we're good. We're good. Um, Terry and and Al, they emerge from a closet. They just come right out of the closet with the with the dog, Angus is really alive. convenient. Yeah. They, <laughs> let's talk about I'm allegories. happy to see the dog still alive. I was happy to see the dog still alive, which made me wonder, like, do they have two dogs? Do they have a dead dog and a live dog from the same litter? <laughs> how did then they, they do that? <laughs> how, how did they shoot this out of sequence? Did that, did they film that last scene first? And then they were like, we're going to kill this dog so we can get oh, this shot. We're going to kill this they dog. They just, they cut, they cut to Eric frantically looking for somewhere. <laughs> and then, then that blue blanket comes off. It's like, wait a minute. This isn't even the same dog. What? <laughs> oh, I hate it. Nothing pulls me out of a movie like a continuity error. But that that's kind of how the movie ends. You know, like they're, they're all just sort of the house is a mess. We don't ever even see the parents, which, you know, in my mind, I'm, I'm kind of fixated on that. Like, like no one, no one would believe, no parent would believe their child. Like, you know, cause they're already suspicious of parties. Like, don't throw a party. Like, they've they've done it before, right? Am I right? They're, you know, like, this is something they probably pulled in the past. So, like, you come home, you got this, like, wrecked house. The, the floor's all blown apart. You got, you know, roots from trees coming through. And you're just like, what what shenanigans did you kids get into last night? Well, here's, here's a convenient way of handling all of that. Uh, Terry's dad gets into a head-on collusion with Glenn's parents, and they all die. Nice. <laughs> that is a very Pixar okay. way of handling... Your solution was better than mine. I was going to say, you could just pin it on Terry. Terry's dad is still alive in the second one, so we oh. know that didn't oh, happen. Oh, cool, cool. And I can tell you, I can tell you that uh, apparently Glenn and his family, they just move. Oh really? That, they, they don't even fix the house. They up. couldn't afford Stephen. Yep, the Barry. house. The they house just stays. Him. The house stays in ruin. They don't even demolish it. It literally just sta- there's just a fence around it because <laughs> Terry, Terry figures out because his dad's an alcoholic, so Terry has more problems now. Oh Jesus, uh, he turns Terry, out to be an alcoholic. We'll talk about an '80s trope right there. Uh yeah, um, that would explain so the, the the occult behavior. He's also he's also a pilot. He's an alcoholic pilot. Which is just great. Um, I but feel Terry, safe. Terry in the second one, uh, he realizes the problem with the first one was that they didn't open the gate properly. So he goes to open the gate properly, which requires computers. <laughs> <laughs> MS DOS. <laughs> he uses computers and he has a, a microphone, a headset. Yeah. Um, and he goes over to the house because the house is still standing, and he he uh, he summons, he opens the gate a second I time. I do not remember that at all. And I for saw wishes. it in theaters. I he saw does it, it for wishes. The week after Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare came out. I remember seeing those movies like within a few weeks of one another. Oh wow! And that was in three D, by the way. Uh-huh. Uh, I can I got tell to see you, the Power Eleven three D. I know you're jealous. <laughs> I can tell you. Also featured in the gate two is. Uh, Pamela Adlon, the voice of Bobby Hill from King of the Hill. No kidding. I yep. love her. Yeah. She's fantastic. She's in that, huh? 
Yep. I'm going to watch it against all better judgment. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it, actually. It's a huge piece of crap. Huge well, we're, piece we're talking, of crap. We're talking about the gate. So I, mean, I, I, feel like I, under, I feel like I know what you guys are going to say, but would you recommend people who have not seen the gate, would you recommend they check it out? All right, well, I'll go ahead and get us started on this one. Uh, is the gate a good movie? No, I'm, I'm going to come out and say it, but, but oh, is the gate a fun movie? And that I will unequivocally say, yes. Uh, if you can get past the first half an hour of the movie, I think when things really start to kick into gear, when you start seeing moths on the wall and the demons start coming out into the world, that's what you pay admission to when you're going to go and watch the gate. Uh, it held my attention right after that. And I, you know, I think that there were several points in this movie that I, if I could just get in touch with my inner 12-year-old and watch it then, I think I would have had a great time with it. And i got to thank you guys for letting me watch it, too, because I'm at the age, I have a child who's kind of of the age who um, mm. is really wanting to get introduced to horror movies. And I'm like, well, where do I start this kid at that's not going to completely mess them up? We started right watching here. Ultra, guys. <laughs> this would be a great start of a movie, I think. Yeah, because, you know, you've got some cool little funny demons running around. Yeah. And, and what you should this do. This might not be a bad movie to introduce your kid to horror. Yeah, because it is PG-13. It's not... The language... I mean, there, there's it some is. questionable... Like, you might have to pause the movie and say, it's you shouldn't call a kid a fag. It's not cool. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah. or even if you want to dare broach the subject of what they're even talking about, it's such a such an eighties like seventies eighties thing. You might even just want to let it go. Like ah, oh, they're talking about cigarettes. <laughs> Small bundles of sticks. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad you had a chance to discover an eighties classic uh, horror. You know, an eighties horror classic, a cable classic. I yeah. guess you might even say like a. This is the kind of movie that if you were a fan of Joe Bob Briggs back in the like late eighties, early nineties, he would absolutely play. Like it would be this Tremors, Critters. Like these. These critters, are all within the yep. same stratosphere oh, yeah. of one another. They're all very much like quality B movies uh, that probably didn't get a ton of like theatrical run but they lived on in vhs and cable forever and ever absolutely so what about you adam what did you think um so the gate same question is is this a good movie absolutely it came in second to gone with the wind <laughs> that's incredible clout you know what you got incredible. me there you got me there yeah i mean it's that's mustn't that's forget that something. little factoid so um it is canadian so you kind of got to let people know because it's, that's, you know, that's kind of a, a bugaboo for a lot of people. That's a fair oh, caveat. Canadian. That's a fair caveat. It is a cap. It is, it is a Canadian film. Um, but, uh, would I recommend it to people? Absolutely. They, if you haven't seen it, you probably should. You're doing yourself a huge disservice by having not watched this film. Cause the only way you'll understand the gate too is if you've seen the first one. <laughs> Yeah, you got to put the gate two in a context. So, you're going to need that for when you watch the gate two, which is streaming on Amazon Prime. I also would think this is a pretty good movie. I think it's pretty well made. Uh, you know, is is it Gone with the Wind? Maybe not, but it's it second sh- to it. It's second, undoubtedly the Both silver medal to to you know like the movie that, that it doesn't surprise me that this is the second highest grossing film that they put out. Uh, and it, it only took them like uh, several decades to do. So, you know, that's they were looking for the right project. They were looking for the right project. 
I, I, you know, and I, I, to, I of course have tons of nostalgia for this movie. You know, like I, I told the story about riding my bike up to the video store, seeing, do, doing the whole spiel of looking over the rows of candidates of, you know, like what, what are we going to watch? You know, we're, we're preteens. What are we going to rent? And uh, if you've already seen all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, if you've seen all the Friday the 13th movies, if you watched Michael Myers, uh, check this movie out. I highly recommend it. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, you got Steven Dorff, and that's a that that's a, that's a major plus. And uh, you, you know, you got the occult in heavy metal, and and, and you got Lewis Tripp. You got Lewis Tripp, man. He's like the Canadian Tom Cruise. That's that's a you know that's what he is. He's the Canadian Tom. Cruise. That's what they call him. That's what he puts on his Facebook page. It, it's on his business card. He he kind of yeah. He kind of did that on his own. But I'm 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 I agree. I agree. Until Ryan Reynolds came along, he was the Canadian Tom Cruise. Yeah, and I would, I he would really probably, was. I would be willing to bet that uh, if it weren't for Lewis Lewis Tripp, there, you know, Ryan Reynolds would have never probably become who he was. That's true. That's a hundred percent true. Probably looked up to him quite a bit. I'm sure there was a poster of this kid on Ryan Reynolds's put on his wall. Lewis Tripp saw Ordinary Magic. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I gotta get into this. All right, so we all have a good. We all had a good time watching this movie. Uh, you know, I, I want to thank our special guest Matt, Mad Matt, to for joining us in our third installment of the Halloween Spooktacular. Uh, thank you so much, dude. It was it's great having you oh, again. Oh man, pleasure was all mine, guys. Thank you so much. I'm humbled that you had me on again. I hope we can do it some other time soon. Absolutely. And that, that wraps it up. We got one more movie for the Halloween Spooktacular. Uh, you, we, 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 we're we're going to go ahead and reveal that right now. It's Adam's pick. Adam, what are we going to be doing for the uh, fourth fourth installment? We're going to be watching um, the, the classic, uh, iconic Halloween movie, Return to Halloween Town. Um, <laughs> the third yes. film in the Halloween Town series that Disney yes. put out back in the, back in the 90s. Hell yeah. Uh, it was great. Great film. Yeah. Great film. No, actually we're gonna watch we're gonna watch one of my favorite it's my he's my favorite slasher. Mm-hmm. He beats out Freddie, he beats out Jason, Michael Myers. We're going back to the original John Carpenter's Halloween. There oh. you go. Jamie Lee Curtis, the, the Scream Queen. There would be no slasher genre if it weren't for Halloween. So Nope. It it's only fitting that we we choose Halloween, the original Mac Daddy of, of the slasher films, and uh, so we're going to talk about that next time. We'll have we got another special guest. We hope, fingers crossed, lined up. Fingers crossed. One. Fingers crossed. Ted Danson. We'll see if he if he if he joins us. He he said see he would. See if I can. Uh, as soon as I, I as can you pull as some screens. As, get, <laughs> as long as I can get that cease and desist lifted, we should be good. We should be good this week up in one of your hosts ron avis i've been your other host adam peterson and and i am the other guy matt mercer thanks for joining us we'll see you next time fuck you henry thomas chrysler Chrysler LeBaron. baron Mm.